Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Living the dream on a spectacular Sunday. It is Fox Football Sunday. That's what we call it. I'll explain in a second. Sure. Hartman and Ornberger coming alive from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Yes, I know the NBA All-Star game is today. I know that we're getting a little more interest in the college basketball world. I know we have pitchers and catchers going on right now. But Rich Orenberger is going to be part of history today as he is going to be announcing, along with Mr. John Schaefer, the home debut of the San Diego Fleet later this afternoon. But you have got to be just on pins and needles getting ready for that big game. Absolutely. Look, no, it is a big game. This is the first time football is going to be back in a professional way uh, in close to 800 days in the city of San Diego. The Chargers left two years ago, obviously played their NFL seasons in Los Angeles. And so I know there are fans of sport, of football in San Diego, are chomping at the bit to see what this league has to offer them in a tangible way. We all watched on television as the commanders took on the fleet on CBS, and that was a huge national audience beating out the likes of uh, NBA superstars uh, for for the the top slot there. So we'll see how this looks up close, live and in person in San Diego again. Professional football for the first time in two years since the Chargers' departure. I gotta I gotta mention this again, and maybe I'm overstepping my bounds here, but uh, ESPN, you know the four letter. Uh, if you're trying to get an AAF score <laughs> on ESPN.com, good luck. They don't list it. They have cricket. They have rugby. They have CFL. But they refuse to acknowledge that the Alliance of American Football even exists. Now, this is because, of course, they have no stake in it. And we know it's a, a CBS sports uh, property, by and large. Also, the NFL Network is carrying it. Uh, Bleacher Report Live. Uh, TNT, but because they don't have any direct involvement, they have absolutely zero coverage. So if you were like, well, what's the score of the games today? You're not going to find it there. Um, I also actually flipped on to check out any coverage, and they actually brought uh, somebody on to 100% mock the Alliance of American Football and that it would be lucky to survive its first year. Now, apparently they're not paying attention or they're just being stupid about this thing because... Again, what is the Alliance of American Football? More than anything else, it is a vehicle for the National Football League to evaluate some talent that may have slipped through the cracks while simultaneously getting ready for free agency and the draft. There is a purpose for this league. It has 
uh, a purpose. The question is, will it find an audience? And one thing that was a concern yesterday was that game down in Memphis, Rich. I mean, they announced 11,000. There weren't more than 5,000 people at that game. Right. And, no, and, and and so, yeah. you know, but, I, you know, and I, before we, before anybody goes in panic mode, let's give Charlie Ebersol, the co-founder of this league, and he runs this league, a lot of credit after some of the, you know, good numbers in the first week, Rich. He made it clear, look, I'm not going to get way ahead of ourselves. We understand we're going to have a rough road ahead. It's our first year. We got eight teams that are just learning how to play together as teams. March Madness is around the corner. It's we just got to survive the first year and Look, hopefully build I think, a little nucleus of an audience. I think that everybody is getting way ahead of themselves who's looking too far down the road with the Alliance of American Football yet from a standpoint of sustainability. Here's the deal. NFL Europe stuck around for a very, very long time. Yes. Very low viewership numbers. There wasn't a ton of interest outside of the countries that these teams played in, and that was varied at best during that time. People barely remember the NFL Europe. It was during a time where there was no social media, so there was no sharing of the highlights overseas of these players we may get to see in our NFL ranks soon. Well, that's all changed. So there is more viewability just just by virtue of picking up your cell phone. You can see highlights from these games on your phone waiting in line at the DMV for crying out loud. So the whole landscape has changed. And so any model, the USFL, NFL Europe, uh, any model that you want to compare it to, it really will fall or pale in comparison to what, where the, the time and space is now. Here's the thing. I think two things. One... There is going to be viewership no matter what for football during this time of the calendar year. Like you mentioned, college basketball may start grabbing a foothold during this time of the calendar, sure. The All-Star game isn't floating anybody's boat, and quite frankly, on the other side of it, NBA basketball doesn't until summer months come. So where you're at with AAF is you're going to see quality football being played in an area of the calendar that hasn't been played at a professional level in a long time at very least. And 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 quite frankly, I think eventually the goal would, for, would be for them to be subsidized by the NFL by some length. Have them actually pitch in, help with costs, because if this becomes a real feeder league for the NFL, they're going to have an interest in keeping it afloat because they're going to be supplying them players. Absolutely. And and you mentioned uh, NFL Europe in some form. It was around for 17 years yeah. from 1991 to 2007. So, again, this is a league that, as they say, slow and steady. I, I'll even go back to the original American Football League in 1960. Now, yes, it was a different world back then, but you weren't as dependent, you know, you weren't. You, you had to get people to get into seats. I mean, otherwise you were losing money. You didn't have the huge television money to sort of bail you out. As, no, you as don't you need might, people uh, to be – wait, wait. That's a misnomer, though, because you mentioned also that – No, but I'm saying back then you needed Yeah, it. yeah. See, now – You need people to buy the tickets. That's the most important right, thing. Right, and, yeah. and But again, if you look at the American Football League in its formative years – they were struggling, especially in their major markets. I mean, their first year in L.A. was such a disaster, they had to move the team to San Diego. The New York yep. franchise was a catastrophe. I mean, they were drawing like 6,000 fans a game in New York City. But they were making slow and steady progress. But I think a lot of people, when they look at this Alliance of American Football, Rich, are going to say, can the product be enough? What we see on the field 
to draw eyeballs. And NFL, we know, is a quarterback league. In fact, football in general is steered by the quarterbacks. And is the quarterback talent sufficient even in an eight-team league, and I can't even think about you know expanding it a year from now with the XFL and another eight teams trying to compete for all this talent out there. Is there enough talent at the quarterback position to make these teams and these leagues watchable? Because that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think eventually what you're going to see is this take off in a way that minor league teams take off in baseball. Now, regionally, they're going to be of a lot more interest than they are going to be nationally. However, a lot of these minor league teams, you know, in their selected neighborhoods or areas or markets, uh, people become fans of the teams and then the players on their professional careers. And fantasy football has bridged that gap in a major way. So imagine, I don't know, so you're a, you're a San Diego Fleet fan and you happen to think Philip Nelson, the starting quarterback this weekend, is just the bee's knees. Well, guess what? He may end up having an incredible season and then spin off into the NFL, catch on as a backup, the starter gets injured, and there he is starting. Maybe on your fantasy football team, you bring him in. You know, you sign him because he's one of those guys of interest to you. That's where I think that there are so many spider legs that 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 weren't didn't exist back in the dawn of other leagues, spring leagues or or leagues outside of the NFL that exist current day where interest can sort of grow outside of just the league. Uh, social media will help, like I mentioned fantasy football will help. This will get bigger and bigger. It's just really a matter, like you said, is if they can operate in the red for a year, couple years maybe, and then eventually find a way, whether it be through viewership or a subsidy from the NFL, to keep them afloat. Because I think I think this is a winning formula. It's a win-win, obviously, for all the teams and the people who are going to be involved with these teams. But then aside from that, for the NFL, because they truly get that breeding ground and that training ground for football players who aren't quite ready to make the jump from NCAA to NFL football and we've seen many times very talented guys like a Kurt Warner out of the Arena Football League get sort of cast aside and then rediscovered that's what this is going to provide. Well and I know the NFL people don't like to hear this and I remember when I was doing my national show here with Chris Myers who obviously is an NFL announcer and he really was perturbed but well, pretty much everything I said. But at, at that time, <laughs> when I would bring up the gambling aspect and its effect on the success and the popularity of the National Football League, it's undeniable. It's by far the most gambled on sport is football. And so when we talk about interest in the games, a lot of it still has to do from the gambling standpoint. And the timing could not be better, obviously, with the expansion of legalized gambling in this country. It's going to extend to all 50 states. I think nine more states added uh, what we call organized state-run gambling establishments in the past year. And that number will grow, grow, and grow. So if you tap into that audience and figure out a way to bring in not just the Alliance of American Football, XFL, or any other football entity into the gambling world, it's going to sustain itself. Now, you don't yes. want to hear that, and everyone, blah, blah, blah. but again, now that, now that they have ruled that sports gambling is legal in all 50 states in the country, 
it's reality. I know that Adam Silver certainly has embraced this. He's partnering up with all these different companies to to expand the gambling element in the National Basketball Association. The NFL's not foolish. And that's why we, we talk about how the AAF is sort of a testing ground for a lot of rules and everything else at the NFL. But one of the biggest aspects of the Alliance of American Football the NFL is curious about is the gambling aspect. And they were talking about these apps and everything else eventually where you can bet money in during games and everything else, trying to bring bodies uh, to come out to the stadium. This is going to be an element in the AAF that eventually is going to guarantee its security as long as the NFL, again, is seeing some kind of profit, you know, by, right. not only right. in, in the product, but also in the idea of grading new revenue streams into the league. You can see that effort already being made with the application they launched alongside the league. They have a league-wide app where you can tune in to basically any game, or I shouldn't say basically, into every game, and you can use a predictive feature. Uh, you want to call a run play, you know, guess right, you get some points. Well, if, if you call a pass play and you guess wrong, you lose some points, and by the end of the game, you're going to have a score based on how good of a guesser you were. Well, what's Sports betting. It's taking guesses. It's taking gambles, small wagers, proposition bets over the course of a game. If you can do that live in game and have that action being recorded in real time with a credit card account set up to your Alliance of American Football app, do you understand how much more entertaining this is going to be from the standpoint of the casual viewer at home who maybe has uh, uh, you know a nice weekend meal on the stove and you're waiting for it? And maybe I'll pop open a beer and try to guess right a couple of times and win a little cash. You can sports bet propositions real time from your Alliance of American Football app in the future. As soon as all these states that the Alliance of American Football is being played in legalize betting and you can sort of use this application that way, this is going to go wide in a way that it hasn't yet. And and look, so yeah, all the groundwork has been set for that to be the case. It's going to be another source of revenue, of course. I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm going to say if it's not there, it eventually will be there, that the majority of people that watch professional football do so simply for gambling purposes, whether it's actual bets on the game or their fantasy football leagues. That's where this league is. And they're fine with it as long as the money's rolling in. They're absolutely fine with this. All right. So he said, the big day for Rich. I mean, this is oh, it. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is this is going to be unbelievable. All right. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. There's something called the NBA All-Star Game that's going to be played later on today. The question is, what is it? What, what exactly is the NBA All-Star Game this day and age? We're trying to, we'll try to figure that out coming up next. We want to know. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. From a car landing on a roof to a car landing in a pool, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Steve Harbin, 
Rich Hornberger with you on this Sunday. How many people out there listening right now are excited about tonight's NBA All-Star Game? <laughs> the silence is deafening. Um, all right, so, yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about last night, though, Rich, because you did have the skills competition. Right. You had the three-point shooting contest and, of course, slam dunk contest. And I will say, because I was watching uh, a little bit in and out and showing highlights on TV last night, that um, there were some things worth watching out there. I I, I sort of liked that. My, my my big frustration with the slam dunk competition isn't necessarily the dunks because I thought there were some creative dunks out there. Yeah. Um, it's the star power. Uh, yesterday on uh, on our national show here, uh, we had on Dominic Wilkins, and you know Dominic, the human highlight film, the 1985 All Star Game slam dunk competition, uh, the final was Dominique Wilkins versus a rookie named Michael Jordan. Uh, the semis included uh, people like Clyde Drexler and Julius Irving. Uh, that, that's what we call star power. Now, it's a little bit late for this, but do you realize that LeBron James never once competed in the slam dunk competition? Not once in his entire you know, career. I, I, it, I didn't know it off the top of my head, but it doesn't shock me. And quite frankly, it, it really does show you where we're at in the NBA. Look, these, these, these players have so much star power. It's interesting that we were just talking about the Alliance of American Football and viewership needs and all that stuff. At this point in the NBA... Given the viewership during the regular season and the popularity of the game, and given the fact that these stars oftentimes, and we're talking about, say, the top five stars in the game, make more off the court than they actually do in their contracts, they they need less vehicles provided by the NBA to actually push their brands forward. So LeBron James being as heralded as he was out of high school and then being the instant star he was coming into the NBA ranks, it doesn't shock me at all because, again, with social media – you don't need very much to give yourself the boost uh, required to make yourself an international celebrity. It's just it's it's not the way it used to be. Michael Jordan wanted to sell shoes. A great way to do that is have your tongue hanging out of your mouth and dunking from the foul line. Well, it was, but l- let's get to the game itself, okay? And I've I've said this a few times along the way, and and as someone that has followed the NBA for fifty years, as I have. Um, I've seen a lot of changes, obviously, over the last half century uh, in the NBA, especially in the All-Star game. And I don't even have – Yeah, well, exactly. I I mean, you know, (laughs) Naismith, I had him on my show. Um, No, I did So, no, but my my point (laughs) – you know, Big Jim. I called him Big Jim. Big Jim Naismith. Slim Jim Naismith. Naismith. Everybody knows He came by and showed me the peach back, the whole thing. Um, No, but I – I don't even have to go back 50 years. I could only go back 20 years. In fact, let's go back 25 years. Let's cut it in half. 1993, 23 million people watched the actual NBA All-Star game. 23 million people. Last year, the number was seven. Yeah. And yeah. and so, so what happened is you have the greatest players in the world. No question about that. I mean, is it so much to ask? in a game that is geared to the fan to tell these athletes, these basketball superstars that are all making ridiculous amounts of money 
to, for the fans, play a legitimate, let's give it our 100% both ends of the court basketball game, like a real basketball game featuring the greatest players in the world. I mean, I would I would watch every second of that kind of a game as opposed to a glory a glorified uh, layup drill where no mm. one's playing any defense and you know like a globetrotters game. I mean, is if if you is that asking too much, Rich, of your biggest stars to do yeah. a little sacrifice <sighs> for the fans? And by the way, it would be good for the league as well. This idea, well, they could get hurt and everything. Enough of that garbage. Um, this is not football, okay? This is basketball. Yeah, you could get hurt in basketball, but it's not as relevant as it would be in in football. That, to actually give us a legitimate game—that's all you're, I'm asking you're, for. You're, you know what? The only way I think you could you could make this happen, and I've thought about this a lot because tonight, 5 p.m., this is going to tip off, and it's going to be Team Giannis against Team LeBron, and even that was an attempt in vain to try to stir controversy or try to get people interested, picking it like kickball and having some stars pick their own all-star team. Okay. It worked to get headlines last year. That's waning as far as an ability to be a, hey, see what's going to happen when these stars get upset at each other for who they decide to be on their teams. I pass on that. The truth is, if you want guys actually striving, you need to have it be worth their while. How do you make it worth their while? Well, I'm sure if they don't, they're affiliated with, I should say, if they don't themselves have a charitable aspect, they are affiliated with the charity of choice, most of these players. If you were to stake an incredible amount of money on one side winning this game versus the other, and now that seems that seems like it would upset some people out there from the standpoint, well, what about the charities on the losing side? You give them something, some sort of compensation prize. But if you make it so immense that you you would actually, as a player, you would be dogged if you didn't put forth a tremendous effort, that's how you create an actual game. That's how you create an actual rivalry. Because then you'll have guys who, who really are out there trying to earn for their cause. I, I think that's the best way to do it. And I don't know what that number is. Is it $10 million? Is that ridiculous? Is it $25 million? Is that ridiculous? I don't know what the number is, but you incentivize the game. You throw a charitable aspect behind the winning side. All of a sudden, I, you're going to have a lot better of a competition than you before you had before. That that that's the, that Look, I... Will that work? I don't know, but that's how I would. That's where I would start now, to try to resolve yeah, but it. But it always comes back to these incentives. It's not enough incentive to make twenty, thirty, forty million dollars a year. I, I just I, there, there's got to be a limit to how much they got to kiss the butts of these guys to get them to do something. It really well, does. I mean, I. But I, Steve, think about it. I, I mean, when when you are a forty dollar million contract annually, and, and you are going out on a court at any moment, you are risking your future potential you for earning. That, but you do that in every game that you play. Yes, is this but why it, this most is of, we see so many. Yeah, but how many? <laughs> but even regular season games, Rich, we see guys mailing it in. All right, we're, I'm going to get into a little of some of the uh, the problems facing the NBA because this is a critical time right now in the association as far as a commissioner that maybe has gone too far in his public affection for the players. It could be to the detriment of the league. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. We're going to get to that, but right now, Let's find out what's trending. As Ralph Irvin 
has shown up once again. Ralph, I feel like I just spoke to you seconds ago. You did. No, I did. Anyway, this is the familiarity <laughs> that I have with you that uh, that just seems like I, I have your voice like in a constant loop in my ear, which is not necessarily a bad thing, by the way. Well, thank you. Thank you, Ralph. But, uh, yes, you talk about the NBA All-Star Game. It does get underway tonight. Tip-off will be at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Of course, that means there are no other NBA games going on today. One game involving a ranked team in college basketball, and that has Ohio State on the road at number 11, Michigan State. And right now, the Buckeyes with an 18-12 lead. Nine and a half minutes to play in the first half there in East Lansing, Michigan. The Daytona 500 is coming up. It will get started at 2.30 Eastern time. Coverage, of course, can be seen on Fox TV. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And, yes, the Genesis Open going on at Riviera. Still finishing up the third round, believe it or not. But Justin Thomas is your leader. He's a 16 under par through 15 holes of that third round. He is four shots ahead of Adam Scott and J.B. Holmes. Both of them are playing right alongside. They have started the fourth round for players down the leaderboard. That would include Tiger Woods, and he has made it through the first hole. He still is seven under. That means he's nine shots back. We'll be back to Stephen Rich in 10 seconds. But first, a word from farmers. From a dog accidentally flooding a living room to a dog taking a joyride, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Now back to Steve Hartman and Rich Wormberg. All right, Ralph, thanks so much. We're coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on your car insurance at Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right, we're talking a little NBA today because of, well, the All-Star game, but really a lot of the off-court things that have been going on in this league and how we've come to a critical juncture right now. Adam Silver yesterday addressed the whole issue with the Anthony Davis situation. And for a commissioner that constantly is getting all this applause or what a great job he's doing, man, did he punt on this one. I don't know if you heard some of his comments, but he said, we have to do a better way or find a different way uh, to not allow these players to make, you know, demand trade demands and everything while they're under contract. And then he said something that was really shocking. He goes, I don't know if this is a big market, small market thing. As far as our big markets are concerned, it's never been worse. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now you're taking some slams. But I always go back to this commissioner really made his mark with the players when he forced Donald Sterling out as the owner of the Clippers, Rich. And here's the thing I need to remind this commissioner. You don't work for the players. You work for the owners. And ultimately, whether you want to be popular with the players really doesn't matter because it's the well-being of your franchises that matters most. And even if they were to say, well, the the average franchise has gone up in value 267%, that's great. I don't know how what that has to do with Adam Silver, but you have to be able to have a certain stabilization for your franchises. It's not like the NFL where they have guaranteed revenue sharing and all the TV contracts. They don't have that. And when you allow players who are under contract to basically make their public demands or their agents make these public demands, 
forcing franchises essentially to make deals or, you know, pay the price of playing these players at home, it's not healthy for the NBA. I think this no, is a potential no. disaster. I agree. And look, what else could he say? I mean, he said blankly, no, th- this isn't good for our league. Uh, he doesn't believe that a player, a star who's drafted by a smaller market, or really, I don't even like saying smaller market team. I think it's more about budget, what teams are willing to spend versus what teams aren't. I uh, Granted, yes, viewership ratings and how many numbers you can draw per household and things like that, that changes depending on whether you are in New Orleans or, say, L.A. as a market, but... I, I really do feel strongly about that. If you have ownerships who are willing to pay huge amounts of money for stars, typically they're able to cultivate a brand of winning around those stars. The Milwaukee Bucks are doing it with Giannis and Tentanacumpo. Yeah, I, I mean, there is a way to do it. There, thank you. Gesundheit. There is a way to do it. <laughs> you have. Antetokounmpo. Yeah, this this uh, this though I I think is going to destroy the fabric of the NBA if it continues down the road it's heading. If you have every time a player either dissatisfied playing in a smaller market or a lower budget market, or you have a player who is antsy to get to free agency or or pick the team he wants to play with or the star he wants to be teamed up with and he sees an opportunity, uh, th- this this is going to ruin your relevance in those markets. Uh, this isn't, you know, New Orleans isn't New York where you're going to sell out Madison Square Garden and they're going to be Knicks fans wearing your jerseys regardless. You're going to have a harder time convincing people to show up to the arena if you're not providing anything of interest. And so, yeah, this needs to be addressed in a big way. And the next time they come to a CBA, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if the ownership uses some leverage to force the players into a deal that, that, that benefits the owners more, whether that means locking out the players for a time or what have you. I, I don't know if they, they can necessarily do that with success, but it certainly did work for the NFL because unprecedentedly, the NFL Players Union signed a 10-year collective bargaining agreement after being locked out most recently by the ownership in 2011. And there are a lot of things about that CBA that the players don't like and they can't do anything about until 2021. And if the owners feel so strongly about this, Perhaps we'll see labor action in the NBA soon. I, I just can't understand. I mean, in some ways, I want to give Anthony Davis credit. I mean, he was really forthcoming about his desires. But this is a guy that's under contract through next year. And if I were the Pelicans and I say, I, look, I don't want this guy on the court. We are going to suspend him indefinitely without pay for insubordination. I feel yeah. as a team owner, I'm allowed to do that. Instead, the NBA counters them by saying, we'll fine you $100,000 for every game you don't play him, uh, unless, of course, that he's injured. This is ridiculous. This is my franchise. I have an employee that is now openly mentioning other teams while under contract to me through next year. It's not like he's got an expiring contract this year. He is under contract through next year. And now the NBA is forcing me to put this guy on the court. I mean, any other company, this, I'm telling you. Well, it's worse than that. No, no, it's worse than that even because think about, think about, (laughs) 
Anthony Davis decides, decides, I, I, look, this was his decision, but he decides to do what he did here and request trade. And then he has a, a soft tissue shoulder injury, walks off the court at the arena and then, and then even leaves the property. Dell Demps is fired. I mean, think about that. A general manager of nine years in New Orleans brought them to three playoff appearances over this fiasco with Anthony Davis. And granted, that's your biggest star in his town. So having it be on his resume, I get it. But still, imagine that. There's a family to feed. The Dempses are out looking for employment because a star decided, and it's really not his fault, but decided that he wants to play elsewhere. And so when when you have situations where... Uh, you know, even a valued employee of a business is going to be scapegoated as a result of this. Uh, something needs to change. This isn't going to be a great look for basketball moving forward. If any of these teams, like an Orlando, like a, a New Orleans, like we're talking about them, like a Portland perhaps in the future, are going to be losing their stars to these mega giant teams trying to build things. And trust me, that's coming down the pike uh, very, very quickly as New York looks to re load and both LA teams look to reload there's going to be even more of this coming I can promise you that name any other company that would allow a, an employee to publicly court other companies while under contract and you can't fire him you I can't mean, I mean, it, I mean wh- where else and again why is this possible why is this possible when we hear this in all these professional sports leagues it's called the antitrust laws that protect them i don't know how much longer this is going to hold up steve the they antitrust laws allow these leagues to run their own business completely separate of the way every other company in america is run you want to talk about the draft the draft is illegal you know any other business that has drafts that are binding to those people that want to work in that in business? No, so no, So no, the, no, the no. antitrust no laws, thing. there is no such thing. And these are the antitrust laws, and I've said this before. One of the biggest changes in the sports world is this legalized gambling, this you know national legalized sports gambling. This is going to be the crossroad, the test of the antitrust laws, because as billions and billions and billions of dollars of gambling revenue are going to be generated in these states, they're going to want more control you know, there'll be more questions about calls and, and how organizations are run and inside information because billions of dollars are being gambled on it. And the only way to at least effectively do that is for government involvement. Where they're going to strip these leagues of their antitrust exemptions. The, the government's going to take control, even though we know the government is no more trustworthy than what we got going on now. But it's the perception that, all right, under government control, we can regulate things and guarantee a certain level of uh, I, I wouldn't say guarantee that everything's on the up and up, but th- at least the illusion of that. And if you do strip these leagues of their antitrust exemptions, I'm telling you, sports as we know it, team sports as we know it right now, will cease completely. I look the competition to me the purity of sport. Uh, it's it's the entertaining part of sport. 
if if you somehow diminish that, uh, you are going to, like you said, ruin the soul of the game. Whether you're talking about football, basketball, baseball, otherwise, it doesn't matter. As soon as you make it such a sterile environment where there isn't subjectivity, where there isn't uh, so much as a bad call anymore because you, you literally cannot afford the swings of money that are going to occur if the call isn't made correctly, I don't want, and this may be where we're heading with sports betting I don't want to take a 45 minute look at one play because there is millions hundreds of millions of dollars on that moment in a game that that would be awful so look as as sports gambling advances there needs to be answers to those questions and the same in a smaller way these trade requests and I think Throughout the history of sport, those questions have been answered. I think there will be something, a conclusion made between the players and the owners on this fact as well. But we'll see. Right now, it is ruining the viewability of these sports because you can't really tune into most regular season games and enjoy it because most of the smaller budget, smaller market teams get smoked by the big super giant teams out there in the league. All right. As crazy as what's going on in the NBA right now, by the way, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, the Colin Kaepernick situation has completely gone out of control. Wasn't he paid to be silent? Now he wants to be a patriot? What the hell's going on? We're going to try to figure it out coming up next. From a car landing on a roof to a car landing in a pool, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Steve Harbin, Rich Ornberger. Hope you're having a great Sunday out there. By the way, what's the uh, weather report in San Diego for the uh, fleet game? You know what? Uh, The weather has not looked great all weekend long for San Diego. It's too soon, bro. Yeah, yeah. Right now, though, I will say this. Right now, as far as game time goes, it looks like we may have a clear window uh, expecting some sunshine, but 8 p.m., the skies are looking to open up in a big way. Right. So, again, these two-and-a-half-hour run times in the Alliance of American Football may actually benefit the fleet today and might have a dry field to play on. Well, look, I love San Diego, but I was eyewitness, you know, that game I went to earlier this year or last year with the Aztecs and Air Force Academy yes. where the skies just opened up. And you were there, yes. obviously, you know, part of the broadcast crew. And – People didn't just run for cover. They ran for the exits. Well, it was because the plague and pestilence began as well. Frogs were falling from the sky. People were worried about their four, how firstborn many, how children. How many people were left at that game at the end? Well, I, Honestly, the, the crazy thing there about was, it see, was... See, what happened was there was a weather delay because there was you know lightning. So they actually had to get everybody off the field. It was one of those type of situations. But the crowd just left. I mean, they could have come back. They didn't, though. <laughs> What was shocking was there were there were enough people in in the stands to to actually call it still an audience, still call it a, a crowd, um, because in San Diego, I mean, like if if you're not being rained on, the the temperature was actually still kind of nice, yes. so people just stayed under the pavilion areas. But yeah, no, I, I don't think we're expecting biblical rain like we were that All day. Right, well, but, hopefully uh, not, because again, yeah. this is you know they they can't handle it, and then. And that's not an indictment. If you're not used to something, if you're a little uncomfortable, a lot of people say, well, the heck with it. I, I don't want to deal with that. So I'm very interested, obviously, see how many people show up for that fleet game. All right, Colin Kaepernick. 
So we yeah. we were talking literally as of yesterday. It seemed like uh, that the NFL had basically paid for Colin Kaepernick to just go away permanently. That that was the story. That there there whatever amount of money they were giving him, you know, sixty million, eighty million, whatever it was. Right. Joint they, statement. They, they, it's been decided that this grievance will go away with the league. right. And so you'll just go away, and we'll turn the page, and we're done with Colin Kaepernick forever. Apparently not, because Mark Garagos, his attorney, said absolutely. He wants to play, and then he starts naming. He goes, "It's perfect. He'll just go down to Carolina. He'll be there with Eric Reed, side by side, kneeling at the games out there. You know, they're not too sure on Cam Newton, but if you want another team, how about New England? Oh yeah, mm. I can see Bob. What the hell is going on here? I mean, Look. wait a second. If you if you paid, who knows? We don't know the terms, but I'm going to get a sense on on something that normally would be a hundred percent silent." It's going to leak out. What what did the NFL agree with with Colin Kaepernick? And if he does come back to the NFL, does sign a contract, does he forfeit whatever it was the NFL was going to compensate him in a in a so-called collusion case? That was we going will on never here. know. We will never know what the terms were between the league and Colin Kaepernick because neither side wants to break the non-disclosure agreements that they signed because I'm sure the the consequences would be from a monetary standpoint intense. Uh, so aside from that, uh, this this thought process that Colin Kaepernick can and will at some point play in the NFL ever again, that ship has sailed. There is no way that is going to happen. And I felt very strongly about this basically after his first year out of the NFL. It, it's just, look, the world press shows up at your door if you sign Colin Kaepernick anyways. But then after launching a lawsuit against the league and a grievance and then having it go so far that the NFL had to settle out of court and it's being reported those numbers are astronomical, yeah, this ship has sailed. We can move on to the next quarterback who we think should be in the league either backing up or starting for any team because it's never going to be Kaepernick again, I can promise you that. They are. Uh, I, I saw Mike Florio Pro Football Talk say this. Understand that whatever money the NFL is paying Kaepernick is split evenly among 32 teams, and it only takes one owner to gripe or talk You know, with you know, a couple of, couple of knockdowns for this thing to release. I'm telling you, this story is just starting. So is the star power of LeBron James. That's coming up next. Rolling along on this beautiful Sunday, it is Hartman and Ornberger coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Now, we were here a week ago at this time, Rich, and you were hurting. Uh, you oh were, yeah, yeah. You were hurting uh, the first words you uttered, and then uh, you got in such an argumentative state that you just really did yourself bad because you know you have to get back to your regular Monday through Friday job, and you know I was being blamed for everything. I mean, it was one of those you know you, know, <laughs> I, 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 you come in on Monday, you can barely talk, and right, they're right, blaming right. me for aggravating you, irritating you to the point where instead of reserving some of your voice power you overextended it then you had to go lame for a couple of days oh yeah no i I was down for the count i don't blame you the truth was um and and just to welcome everybody into the ornberger abode for a moment i have two small children Mm -hmm. uh one's three years old 
Uh, three and a half, really. He's he's creeping up on his birthday actually pretty soon this summer. Right. Uh, and then uh, a six month old, and you know when when one of your kids uh, comes home with illness, it is absolutely impossible for I mean at least one of the parents not to not to uh, uh, become ill themselves. So we we caught the flu around the Ornberger household, and uh, it was it originated I believe from preschool uh, where. The the children just cough and, and right. sneeze into it's each a other's petri faces. Dish. We know that. Yes. Petri dish, yeah. And then uh, he he entered the fold at the house where where sure enough, I, I mean, just being coated with his germs over the weekend uh, led me to, to where I where I was at on Sunday. So yeah, now I'm very very happy to be on the other side of that. Yes. it was a bleary couple of days uh, between Tuesday and Wednesday of last week, but. Full recovery. Full recovery. Full recovery. Strong, and it's a, a big day for a Rich. If you're uh, just tuning in, not only is he here, obviously, doing his Sunday show, uh, but also later on he is going to be there in the booth for the inaugural home game for the San Diego Fleet of the Alliance of American Football. So it's a very big day. Uh, by the way, is your whole family going to be there to support you? They got the Welcome Rich signs out. Uh, you know, what, what, <laughs> what, I mean, I, what kind of fanfare are you going to get at that stadium? Where, of course, you're also there to do Aztecs games, so you're no stranger, obviously. And, of course, you play for the Chargers there as well. It's almost like you're home away from home, the now-called SDCCU Stadium. Yeah, it's actually interesting because in 2014, it was my last season as a San Diego Charger. Obviously, they've become the Los Angeles Chargers. I never went to L.A. with them. I stayed behind in San Diego and started a broadcasting career when they left. And it's going to be an interesting environment. An Alliance of American football being played in many cities now, obviously Birmingham and Memphis and Orlando. But San Diego is one of the most interesting because they lost a team. And so when you talk about the presence of professional football back in San Diego for the first time in two years, uh, this is going to be a, a big moment. A big moment for a lot of sports fans who felt shunned by the Chargers who are looking to welcome the fleet with open arms. Weather provided, they're expecting a, 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 an attendance of over 20,000. Uh, they're, they're looking and they're hoping to break the first weekend's attendance goal, uh, or I should say uh, a maximum, which was set somewhere above 27,000. K. If they can do that, um, it would be it would be a real feather in the cap for the city of San Diego because again, this is a city that hasn't enjoyed professional football in close to 800 days since the Chargers left. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be quite an experience. There's no doubt about it. Sounds like you're well armed with the stats that I cherish uh, for the broadcast today. So looking forward to that. <laughs> All right, the NBA All Star Game is going to be later on today. The game is incidental. Uh, but what is relevant right now is the future of one of the prize franchises in the National Basketball Association, and dare I say, all of professional sports. That would be the Los Angeles Lakers. They're at a crossroads right now, Rich, and basketball reference just put out the odds of the percentage odds of the Lakers actually making the playoffs this year. Now they're 28 and 29. They're currently three games behind the Clippers who are sitting in the eighth and final playoff spot. With 25 games to go, basketball reference says that the Lakers have a 6% chance of making the playoffs. Hmm. 6%. Now, we had Michael Thompson on my show last week. Michael Thompson, who's the internal optimist, conceded that the Lakers will have to go 18-7 and 
over the last 25 games in order to make the playoffs. So this raises a million questions about how we got here, knowing that the Lakers felt at the very least what they could count on year one of LeBron James is to make the playoffs. I mean, that's a fait accompli. I mean, he's not going to miss the playoffs. By the way, no LeBron James team has had this losing record this late in the season since his rookie year back in the 03-04 season. So this is such a, like, how do we even get here? You could say, well, LeBron missed 18 games. Rondo's missed games. Kuzma's missed games. But we know this is an organizational dilemma right now. And even though they're trying to dismiss the urgency by saying, hey, we just need to decompress during this all-star break and we'll be fine once we get back out on the court, I think that is just wishful thinking. This is an organizational problem that starts at the very top, Rich, And I always said this for years about Dr. Jerry Buss. Because of his lifestyle, sort of a poor man's Hugh Hefner, he was somehow overlooked as one of the best owners in all of professional sports because not only was he successful in terms of winning championships, but he was successful in creating a brand, a must-see brand, bringing that Hollywood element into the Laker fold, along with that Hollywood element in the brand of basketball they play. There has never been a more important owner in the history of the NBA than Dr. Jerry Buss. And with his passing, his children have just not been able to come anywhere close to duplicating whatever magic their father had. And because of that, you have an organization where you got, you know, Jeannie Buss here, you got Magic Johnson here, we got Rob Palenka, we have LeBron James and that is a recipe for disaster. And if this well, well, season ends that way, yeah. I don't even know what their next move is going to be. This goes back to the conversation we were having about Anthony Davis and his trade request. And I do realize that relates to the Lakers as well. But this is all about the players now, man. I, I mean, when you think about Jerry Buss and the world he was operating in and and the world now that Genie is operating in, completely different night and day. Owners had so much more sway and say as to how the league would look and run than they do now. This is truly LeBron James's team now. You know, you remember that Captain Phillips movie. LeBron is the captain now. That there is no questioning that. So when you talk about the Lakers, you need not even say the Lakers anymore. Just say LeBron James. He's running the show. Jeannie Buss, Magic Johnson, Rob Palinka, these are window dressing names. This is LeBron James's show. So when you talk about the playoff odds and you talk about how this has been an underwhelming season for the Lakers and how fans are going to be upset and all the work they have to do after the break to make it to the playoffs, should they? And how long it's been since we haven't even seen LeBron James in the, the playoffs, let alone the finals. This is LeBron James's team. So in an ipso facto way, this is LeBron James's fault that the Lakers aren't going to the playoffs. Now, is it his fault that he had a groin injury? Well, no, not necessarily. You can't really predict when an injury is going to occur. But 
If you're going to lay the blame anywhere, don't look at Genie. Don't look at Magic. Don't look at Rob. Who's a better recruiter than LeBron James in the NBA right now? They couldn't get the deal done with Demps and the Pelicans, and you can blame a lot about how a small market or small budget team stood up to a big giant like the Lakers. Quite frankly, I think it was them standing up to LeBron James and saying this Rich Paul clutch sports uh, stranglehold that you guys have on the NBA right now, we're not we're not into it. So we're not going to allow the players to do this to an organization. And so one one small victory for the owners, you could say. But the truth was they weren't battling the Lakers. This wasn't Magic Johnson. This wasn't Rob Palinka. The battle between who is going to land Anthony Davis was between LeBron James and the New Orleans Pelicans. I, I you you can't talk me out of that. Yeah, but I can't be in the shoes of Magic. Johnson and be comfortable with that. Look, Magic signed on, obviously not needing to be in this position, but he was flattered to have that opportunity to prove himself. He was a failure as a coach. He was a failure as a late night talk show guy. Uh, Obviously, he's been a highly successful businessman, and he is arguably as great as any player that's ever lived. But he wanted to prove that he had that acumen as an executive to pull and push all the right buttons and create a championship team from nothing. And that's where the Lakers were when he took over with Palenka. But Steve, hang on. If Magic Johnson doesn't accept this president of basketball operations job, right, this executive job, does LeBron James still come to the Lakers? Yes. I say yes. Absolutely. So, but that's the whole point. In other words, Magic had zero, zero to do with LeBron James becoming a Laker. Zero. That decision by LeBron James was made the day that the Cleveland Cavaliers beat the Warriors in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Once he had delivered on his promise to get the city of Cleveland a championship, he already had his sights set on coming to L.A. for things way beyond basketball. Look, he is on the record. I just watched the interview again the other day when he says, I have absolutely nothing to prove. Nothing to prove on the basketball court. Anything I do from this point on is icing on the cake. And yep. that that just rings with horror if you're a Laker fan. Oh, because, no question about because it. Because when, it, it, when you're a Laker, it's all about the Lakers. You This is not Cleveland. This is not Miami. This is the Los Angeles Lakers. Ultimately, LeBron James, as a Laker, by Laker fans, will be judged solely on what he does as a Laker. They don't give a crap what he did as a Cav, what he did with the Heat. This is about, and if he does anything less than deliver a championship, this will be a resounding F. And if they continue to struggle, I'm going to be at this game coming up on Thursday. It's the first Laker home game for LeBron since before Christmas. They did play the Clippers, but that was a Clipper home game. I I, I want to see how this game plays out. I mean, if Harden Mm. goes off, if the Rockets are doing a number on the Lakers, what are we going to hear? How are the fans going to react to LeBron James? And if they turn on him, how then is he going to react? I mean, this could get crazy. This could get crazy. I, I've said it before. I've said it before on this air. I, look, I wouldn't be shocked if the way this ends, LeBron James requests a trade. I, I, it wouldn't shock me. Nothing at this point would shock me with this decision because, quite frankly, again, much to what you just said, but to put it in more clear terms, this is either going to be one of the greatest successes of LeBron James's career or it's going to be the biggest stain on a peerless resume to date. LeBron James has signed up to be the savior of the Los Angeles Lakers, and I don't, I don't, I, I don't herald Jeannie Buss for that. 
I don't herald Magic Johnson for that or Rob Polinka. This was a LeBron James's decision. You can sort of see him telegraphing these pun- punches now as a retrospective when you look back at how he left Cleveland. This is going to either be his greatest accomplishment or his greatest failure. That remains to be seen. But any blame for how this season is going right now, heavy is the head that wears the crown, man. This is LeBron James's Laker team. He deserves all the credit, and he deserves all of the complaints. All right. And that's exactly where I levy them. All right. Now, Rich, while one team in a major market continues to struggle to try to find their footing There's another major market team in the NBA that could have one of the most dramatic turnarounds in NBA history next season, and they could do it two different ways. We'll explain coming up next. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. From a hot air balloon landing on a car to a load of concrete falling on one, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Steve Harbin and Rich Orenberger. Hope your Sunday's going great. Ours is. Oh, by the way, we got great news. Quick way and easy way for you to save money. Switch to Geico. It only takes 15 minutes. See if you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Go to Geico.com. See how much you could save. I feel like we've been sort of hammering away here (laughs) on a lot of different subject matter. Um, we, we, I, I would describe our show style as as hammering. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> you know maybe we could lighten up a little bit here um, and have some fun with a uh, longtime struggling NBA franchise that is a cornerstone franchise whose fortunes may turn around dramatically next season, and I'm talking about the New York Knicks. The Knicks are sitting. In the catbird seat, potentially. And it all hinges on one simple thing, getting the number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Now, right now, the Knicks and the Phoenix Suns are battling for the worst record in the NBA. But let's assume for a second that the Knicks win the lottery and they get Zion Williamson with the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. Now, as you know, they got rid of Persingas, so they've opened up all this cap space. We do know that there have been rumors circulating about Kevin Durant perhaps going to New York. We've also heard the same thing about Kyrie Irving. So let me ask you this. Let's give you a couple of scenarios here. If you're the New York Knicks, and you tell me which would be the most plausible path to where you ultimately want to get, and that's relevance and and actually get to a championship level. So on one hand, you got Zion Williamson. And remember how the Pelicans are operating right now. Right. So the Pelicans are sitting there wisely saying, before we make any deals, we're never going to make a deal. This is not about what the Lakers had to offer. We didn't know what everybody had to offer. 
So, you know, let the season play out. He's still on a contract for another year, and let's see all the chips on the table. And there are the New York Knicks, and they have the number one pick in the draft, Zion Williamson. All right, so scenario one for the Knicks is, is you trade that pick for Anthony Davis. And then you Hmm. bring on a Kyrie Irving or a Kevin Durant. Right. You would have enough space to bring in one of those two guys to couple with Anthony Davis. Or you keep Zion Williamson and you still have enough room to bring in both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but you don't have Anthony Davis. You have Zion Williamson. Right. Which one would be a better path to a championship? Look, there's no question in my mind that your your first theory would pan out better over over let, let's put it this way. If you were going to run projections, uh, that is the safest bet. And I'll explain why, and it's very simple. Zion Williamson is one of those unique and rare talents, one that we haven't seen in a long time. LeBron James comparisons, we know exactly who he is. We've seen him at Duke now uh, just doing whatever he wants. He's a man amongst children, it seems, in the college basketball ranks. However, we have never seen Zion Williamson play in the NBA. We certainly have seen Kyrie Irving at a championship level. We certainly have seen Kevin Durant at a championship level. Anthony Davis remains to be seen. He's had playoff berths. He hasn't taken his team to the fullest extent of the postseason yet. But you, you could see there there is, without question, uh, potential for him if he's linked up with the right crew to do just that. Zion Williamson, while he's the best player in college basketball, maybe the best player in college basketball we've seen in a long time, is not a professional basketball player. How many times have we seen this happen? It's a lock. This is going to be a generational star. Just get him into a pro uniform and watch the watch the acclaim it's going to be pouring in. And then thud, something happens, an early injury, uh, you know, an unexpected slump. It, 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 look, I'm not saying that's going to be what happens for Zion Williamson. I'm projecting him to be great. However, we don't know. We do know Anthony Davis, though. We do know Kevin Durant. We do know Kyrie Irving. And we also know Dennis Smith Jr. is projected to be the starting point guard of the Knicks after that trade with Kristaps Porzingis with the Mavericks. So I, I, if you're asking me right now, if I could pan both those, those scenarios out today and say which is most likely to end up in a championship, without question, trading the pick for AD and starting there with a proven NBA commodity, there is no doubt in my mind. All right. If you're the Pelicans and you're looking at all your options on making a deal, and now that... You know, Anthony Davis has said, I'm willing to sign long-term with 29 different teams as long as they're not the New Orleans Pelicans. Boy, they put them in a tough spot there. (laughs) Anyway, so, okay, so let's let's weigh some of the potential offers out there. Um, We know that the Clippers, having acquired the picks that they did in the Tobias Harris trade, Right, uh, are able to put together. Uh, apparently, this is what New Orleans is more concerned about: is getting in those picks, premium p- picks, multiple premium picks, than they are about any young players. Um, but I mean, if you're the Pelicans, 
I I want to back up for a second here. Zion Williamson. Yeah. Is 18 years old. Correct. And he is 6'7", he weighs 284 pounds. I that concerns me a lot. And I know he jumps through the roof and he has insane athleticism, but I'm trying to translate like Rich Ormberger at age 18 and how your body matures over the next four or five years. So he's 18 years old. He'll be 19 in July. And right now he is 6'7 and 284 pounds. How does that body at age 18 translate to age 22? You tell me. Well, look, there is no way outside of advanced, and I do mean advanced and very cutting edge and new metrics that they can use studying body movement to predict injury. I mean, even if you do have some mechanical flaw in the way you move, that can be overcome by the way you use your body and you may go an entire career never injured in a serious way. Uh, so th- there, there is no way to predict exactly how well Zion Williamson's body holds up over time. Is he a rare beast in the fact that he is those measurables and doing the things that he does? Yeah, there's no question about it. And so does that make you nervous? Maybe, but I will say this. If I'm a struggling franchise like a Clippers or if I'm a struggling franchise like the New Orleans Pelicans, I'm willing to take on that risk. Here's my thoughts. And and this has nothing really to do with Zion Williamson. It has more to do with what we already know. Zion Williamson is an excellent college player. Let's put that in its bracket for a moment. But what we do know is there are stars in the NBA currently. Those, those stars help you more than the prospective talents of any college player. Now, that will change. If Zion Williamson is drafted first overall and he's taken by whatever team he is or traded, should he be, uh, and, and starts his NBA career, then we can all start to make our assumptions as to exactly how great that is going to look moving forward. But until we have that information, I'm not willing to say anything with great certainty about Zion Williamson. Everybody loves a lock. When, when you have a great bet because you spoke to somebody who has some insider information, you brag about it. Yeah, well, you brag about it until it goes wrong. So if you're, you're asking me about potential for Zion versus some other players who are currently playing in the NBA, there is a lot less risk in a lot of ways taking one of these established stars as opposed to betting the farm quite literally on bringing in the top overall pick, even if he is as great as Ion is. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. But I'll tell you what, either way, if they do get the number one pick, I'm telling you, the Knicks' fortunes are going to improve dramatically as, of course, they just snapped that 18-game losing streak the other day. Against the Hawks, yeah, that's a struggling franchise in themselves as well. Wasn't that a Hawks team that beat the Lakers? Oh, okay. All right. Anyway, uh, let's find out what's trending right now. We bring Ralph back into the fold. How are you, Ralphie? Doing great, Steve. And uh, it's interesting what's going on right now because not a lot of uh, ranked basketball going on, but a couple of games and one very good one in the Big Ten. Number 11, Michigan State going back and forth with Ohio State. They've taken the lead now 39-38. Both teams have put together a sizable runs in this game. But with 10.07 to go, again, just a one-point game, 39-38, Michigan State leading Ohio State. Number nine, Houston up big at Tulane, 27-13, 
Still seven and a half to play in the first half there in New Orleans. But the Cougars looking to go to 25 and one if they can get that win. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience over at Riviera. Well, they are still playing. In fact, they're about to get everybody on the course for their final rounds. Just teeing off right now. That's number one first place, Justin Thomas, sitting at 17 under par. Four shots ahead of J.B. Holmes and Adam Scott. Again, they are just teeing off their fourth round right now. Tiger Woods in a tie for 11th. He is nine shots back. He is through four holes of his final round. Now we'll be back to Stephen Rich in 10 seconds, but first word from farmers. From a dog accidentally flooding a living room to a dog taking a joyride, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Now let's get back to Steve Hartman and Rich Orberg. Thank you very much, uh, Ralph. We appreciate that. And once again, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on your car insurance at Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right. NBA All-Star Weekend. We're trying to cover all the different scenarios that could play out. I mean, this is going to be an insanely interesting offseason as far as NBA free agency is concerned, simply, Rich, based on the names that are out there. I mean, Kevin yeah. Durant, all year long. Durant's, you know, he's blasting the media, all the spec. But he put himself in this position, did he not? I mean, this yeah. is what happens. He wanted to get a deal smartly, a one I should one. say. It's just every year he signs a one-and-one. One. So that's, that's what the- and what LeBron started that, and that's a smart play. But when you put yourself in that position, of course, what else are we going to do? We're going to speculate. Are you going to stay with Golden State? Are you going to go to the Knicks? Are you going to go to the Clippers? Um, all of that out there. Uh, Michael Thompson was on the show the other day with me, and he has said this relentlessly. Clay Thompson will never play for a team other than the Golden State Warriors. As long as Steph Curry is a Golden State Warrior, Clay Thompson is going to be a Golden State Warrior. The Splash Brothers, they're side by side. They're inseparable. So this dream that Laker fans have that Clay Thompson's going to come to LA, forget it. Not happening. He's going to stay a Golden State Warrior. Kawhi Leonard. What do you think is going to happen to Kawhi? Do you think that if Toronto makes a run, conceivably they could, to the NBA Finals, he may decide, you know what, playing in the Eastern Conference and perhaps having an easier path to get to the NBA Finals than wrestling with what is in the Western Conference may be a better long-term ticket for me than, let's say, joining the Clippers even if I were to join forces with a guy like Kevin Durant, how do you think Kawhi Leonard would play that out? I think he's the one major wild card in free agency who could just go ahead and immediately re-sign with the home team, and that story never really reaches the buzz level that it will for a Kyrie Irving or a Kevin Durant because Kawhi's cut from a different cloth than a lot of these other guys. He's quiet. He went to Toronto, and he fell off the face of the map. We haven't really heard from him outside some of the outstanding play on both sides of the courts that he's provided this season, vaunting – 
uh, or I should say launching the Raptors into second place in the East. Now, yeah, they are going to have a showdown at some point, whether it be uh, the semi-final rounds with, with the Celtics, should they make their way through, or the 76ers, and then inevitably the Bucks, because it appears that they're just uh, you know going out of pace with their hair on fire. But for right now, if Kawhi Leonard is smart, and, and I think he is, and I also think that he doesn't adore the limelight the same way that a Kevin Durant does but never will tell us. I think that he could end up setting up shop in the East just like LeBron James did and having not a free pass to the finals every year, but in an improved East, finding a way along with the upper management there and executives to piece together a good enough squad over the course of his career to to sort of sit atop the East and play whoever the West provides year after year. LeBron James moving out of the East uh, created a vacuum, and that vacuum, quite frankly, in my mind, has been filled by Kawhi Leonard. And and I think I think that is going to be the likeliest scenario that Kawhi resigns with Toronto. Well, I agree with you, and I and I even said that when he first went to Toronto, I thought, you know what. I understand why San Antonio sort of shipped him off to Toronto. It wasn't just shipping him across the border. They got the best deal in return. I mean, they got DeMar DeRozan. They got an established all-star in return. And, you know, San Antonio, despite all the, you know, change in their personnel, right now our playoff team, seven games over 500, when a lot of people thought that team was going to go south. I guess not with Pop out there. But Toronto's sitting at 43-16. and Now, you mentioned sort of that vacuum in the Eastern Conference Milwaukee not only sitting atop the East, but sitting atop the entire NBA right now, 43 and 14, which brings us back to Giannis. See, now Giannis Antetokounmpo is another one of those guys where you're in a smaller market, Milwaukee, and is he going to get to the point at some point where he wants a bigger stage? See, this is the assumption that so many people have because it has happened for so many years around the NBA. You have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He left Milwaukee to come to L.A. You have Shaq, who went from Orlando to come to L.A. We get used to the idea that these superstars that are in the small markets, they're only going to be there temporarily, and that eventually they're going to be moved with the blessing of the NBA to the bigger markets where, let's face it, they're more valuable to league, whether it's New York or Chicago or L.A. or Boston, you know, once in a while they get lucky, you know, that Magic's drafted by the Lakers or Berg goes to the Celtics or Michael Jordan lands in Chicago. That's good fortune. But more often than not, we have seen this league almost move players miraculously at times into the markets that need them the most. Right. This, right. This, but here's why I want to ask you this, because Adam Silver said this even yesterday the idea of big market, small market, that that is no longer really relevant anymore. And as far as the success of the league is concerned, we don't need a strong L.A. team or New York team or Chicago team for this league to be successful with, you know, the way that, you know, uh, social media operates and everything else. That Do you believe that? I mean, is can the NBA be successful even if the major market teams aren't? Yes, uh, I I actually do agree with this assertion, and because again, and look, this is this is their own fault in some ways, since it has become such a player centric league. 
Social media is really, to me, what floats the NBA throughout most of the calendar year. Outside of the finals, or I shouldn't say the finals, but say the postseason, and it's really the latter half of the postseason since more than half of the league gets into the postseason in the first place. The fact that you're a 30-team league and 16 teams gain entrance to the postseason is ridiculous, but that's another argument for another day. The, ba- the latter half of the postseason in the NBA is really the only viewable product that is on television outside of some key matchups throughout the regular season. So what floats the league? Well, social media. And the players doing a tremendous job of keeping that afloat. And so I don't think there is nearly the same ties to cities as there are to players. There are enough players fans of LeBron James to consider LeBron James a team in and of himself. I mean, that you could say very similar things about Russell Westbrook and how he's been able to build his brand in OKC. I think wherever he goes, there's going to be fans of Russell Westbrook. I think Kyrie Irving during his run with the Cavs gained, garnered enough attention that I'm sure some of those Cavs fans or some of the people who are watching Cavs games are now interested in the Celtics because of Irving, because they become Twitter followers, because they become followers of the players and less so of the teams. I think there is an allegiance to players in a way that there's never been amongst fans in the NBA and I I think it really does benefit the NBA at times and affects it negatively at times but from the standpoint of where these guys play I think that's actually one of the benefits because you could have Giannis play anywhere and he's going to bring box office with him and the same could be said about Duran and LeBron and a lot of these superstars in the NBA. I agree with a lot of what you say but as usual not everything. All right, so this is this thing. I I think when you talk about people following players rather than teams, I think you're 100% on the mark. However, I think you're overestimating how many players have that kind of a following. Giannis does not have a LeBron following. You know, we we talk about TNT ratings are down 22%. And the spin on that is, well, LeBron going from the Eastern Conference to the Western Conference kills him because you get the late games which on the East Coast are the late, late games uh, when the Lakers are in action. So your your biggest face of the league is not seen uh, with the numbers they used to have when he played in the Eastern Conference by East Coast markets. But how many players are really must-watch hmm. in the NBA? And I, I mentioned this when we saw last weekend CBS, the network carrying the debut games of the Alliance of American Football, and directly opposite of those games with you know completely unknown players was an NBA matchup between Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and the Houston Rockets, and James Harden. So in, in Westbrook and Harden, you have two of the biggest names in the league, the last two league MVPs, and yet more people were watching the Alliance of American Football than that matchup. So that that's where I that's where I question the idea of, you know, making the players the spotlight and that's where the eyeballs are going. I think that's yeah. rare. And because Michael I, Jordan was such an off the chart Michael changed everything. Even the bird magic days were still Lakers Celtics. Right. Michael Jordan became a single entity that no player has ever come close well, to matching. But, but wouldn't you argue that Michael Jordan now, 
I, I mean, he would be among some of the second or I should say tertiary stars. I'm just talking about relevance uh, in the current day's NBA. And, and, and really from a Q rating standpoint, when you think about culturally and, and the phenomenon that he, he was back then, he paved the way. But Kevin Durant is, is more internationally re- renowned and known at this point than potentially Michael was at that point. I mean, it's true. Things have changed. People have more access. Uh, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, it has knocked down all borders and barriers. I, I mean, you could make the argument if he played in today's day and age, he would he would be vaulted to the top. And there's no doubt about that, given his talents and, and how popular he is and was. But the, the fact of the matter is... James Harden, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, the Greek freak, uh, Kawhi Leonard, as quiet as he is, these stars now rival the star that Michael Jordan was then because these stars individually have done such a good job promoting themselves. So I do think that the league has a problem with the stars, but at the same time, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because they also need those stars. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. We find a little common ground. Not 100%. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's not get carried away here, okay? But, uh, Work no, in I, progress. I, but I, I, it, it, exactly. A little bit of progress along the way. Boy, we're getting deep today, Rich. I mean, no we, doubt. we are digging and digging and digging. But I want to get back to the whole phenomenon that is professional football. But they also now are at a crossroads when it comes to giving players the power. We're going to talk about that coming up next. From a hot air balloon landing on a car to a load of concrete falling on one, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges, and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Wow. It's like some of my music right here, Alex. Steve, what do you know about Blink? <laughs> Very little. Oh. I know what I like to listen to. Great stuff. Great stuff. Definitely my uh, my my style. Steve Harbin and Rich Ornberger. By the way, yeah, we're red hot today, Rich. Already they're putting it out there. Pelicans should be able to suspend Anthony Davis without pay for insubordination. <laughs> that is uh, a viral hot shot right now. Well, look, I I think that um, I think that this is a place that we we don't we don't necessarily disagree fully on but I will say this the Pelicans in part in today's NBA they knew exactly what they were signing up for when they brought in Anthony Davis in the first place that's the risk you take when you are a smaller budget smaller market team and you bring in a star and you don't surround him with the supporting cast necessary to make any sort of deep run into the playoffs and uh, that star wants out I mean, to suspend him without pay is where I think we, we our paths diverge here. If, if you want him off the court, and that's because it's mutually beneficial for you and the player, he doesn't risk injury, which clearly is always a good thing for a player, but also he doesn't risk injury, which is clearly a good thing for you to trade him. Um, uh, yeah, so mutually beneficial there, but but suspend him without pay? Why? Why, I, how, why should he suffer... Uh, a lack of income because you spent the majority of his young NBA career so far allowing him to wallow in a space where he didn't really have much postseason prospects. 
I want to. We're we're running out of time. Top of the eye, dude. I definitely want to get to the uh, Antonio Brown situation. Well, maybe we'll get a little more deep into this a little bit later on the show. Now, again, when we talk about suddenly the power in the hands of the players of the NBA, by the very nature of the sport, a single player has much more impact on a team in basketball than they do in football. Um, I want to get into this because now that the NBA has allowed the players to sort of have their say and now are trying to deal with the ramifications of that, the NFL may be heading down the same path, Rich. And to me, it's a very slippery slope. So the Antonio Brown is just the latest situation we're going to get to. Also, there's one of the biggest events in America happening today that we'll be talking about coming up next. Ah, yes. Not just any Sunday, a very special Sunday. We'll get more into that, but remind you that we are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. The Harris Poll. I don't know if you're familiar with this, Rich. The Harris Poll. They have been doing a poll for... Three decades now. They do it every couple of years. Okay. And what they do is they identify sports fans. In other words, they will tell you before they even make you part of the poll, are you a sports fan? Yes, I am a sports fan. All right. <laughs> do you have a do you have a favorite sport? Yes, I have a favorite sport. If you answer yes to those two questions, then they make you part of the poll. So they're not it's like just a flow chart, yeah. Right. Yeah. In other words, we're not just talking to random people. We're talking to people who identify themselves as sports fans who have a favorite sport. Okay. So then they ask you, what is your favorite sport? Table tennis. So they've been doing this poll for years. I mean, they've been doing this for since the mid '80s. Okay. And the most recent poll, the number one most favorite sport where people identify it as their favorite sport obviously is pro football okay number two is baseball number three is college football number five is men's pro basketball well now you skipped one yes Number four (laughs) is auto racing. So there are more people who identify themselves as sports fans who say that their favorite sport is auto racing over the NBA, which is men's pro basketball. Now, I know there's a lot of NBA fans, and I get this all the time. I mean, constantly. I mean, I just got this uh, tweet here, you know, uh, dude, stop. There's no way in hell the AF will ever be more popular than the NBA. Hartman is full of, I can't say the word. One night during the premiere, the AF does not make it more popular than the NBA. Uh, You know, then you act like the NBA is Major League Baseball or NHL. First of all, I never said that the AF was going to be more popular. What I said was the facts that more people were watching the premiere of the Alliance of American Football, the NBA. So, no. Yeah, just the debut. Just the debut. But, again, that was an argument we had to say about eyeballs on star players, certain players. 
Right. And that's that was what we were talking about. So everyone's always twisting all the words out there. Well, but the fact, also, that, but what this what this points yeah. out is two things: is though, is that as much as NBA fans are rabid about the NBA, and again, I have a son that is in that list. My son Garrett. It's it's nowhere near when we talk about favorite sports. It's nowhere near where we are with football, or believe it or not, the very loyal base of baseball fans. Right. Well, here's the problem with that, though. So, first of all, baseball fans don't show up to baseball games anymore. And so it's an embarrassing situation while the viewership product garners so much money because those advertising and broadcast rights are, are, are still so valued by, by networks. And quite frankly, baseball holds all the chips there. The problem is, as a viewing product, throughout the majority of the regular season, baseball, they can't pan and show a full stadium or ballpark anymore. No. And that is going to become more and more a problem. NBA, you can make the argument, smaller venues, it's not affecting them as much, but there are certain markets who still, I mean, crowds are sparsely attended. Here's the reason why there is nothing that, you know, I'm alerted by as far as the fact that baseball ranks second even above college football, because the facts are that more people watch college football you may say you're a bigger fan of of baseball professionally and that's fine you may like baseball more but more people watch college football Uh, more people watch the nba and even if that isn't true even if the ratings aren't quite right as far as the comparison nascar beating out nba the demographics are true you're you're grabbing from a wider swath of people uh, from a gender ethnicity uh, 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 uh age group demographic than you are from nascar so when you talk about the popularity of sports i think the great delineator is television is, is still television. Television is king. If you have a good product on TV, you can command huge rights amounts. You can command a, a wider audience than virtually any other media. And if you can control, even if it is just for certain time slots on the calendar, your, your little piece of the pie, you're going to have a product proven to work and stand the test of time. And so that's the challenge of the Alliance of American Football. It's a challenge that actually NASCAR has nicely been able to navigate for mm. years because they have such such a dedicated base. Ah, but the, 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 let's, let's, let's get the reality of NASCAR right here. Because, look, I, I had the good fortune uh, when I was doing uh, my show with Chris Myers, of course, the face of uh, NASCAR, um, right. to be at the right. Daytona 500 two years in a row. I, we, actually, I was there... For the week leading up, you know, we did a full weeks of shows there. Uh, and by the way, you know, if you if you want to go to historic places, uh, the Daytona Speedway is one of those places. By the way, the banking on that uh, track, you have no idea when you're watching the race. I mean, you, I'll put it this way, Rich, you cannot actually walk up the track. It's such yeah. at a steep incline. But anyway... But no, NASCAR. I've been to actually the Brickyard. Okay, so check this yes. out. Yes, I, I. So when when the Patriots when we played in Super Bowl forty six in Indianapolis against the Giants, part of one of the week 
uh, events. One of the the events that they threw the week going into the Super Bowl was over at the the Indianapolis race course. And so, standing, kissing the bricks, standing on the racetrack, uh, taking a lap in a Camaro, like you know, Chevrolet was rolling out their their newest edition of the Camaro. Uh, Yeah, those 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 banks on the shorter edges of the tracks are real. NASCAR is a very cool sport if you get indoctrinated to it early enough and you actually show up for events. But there there is so little national relevance as far as the the, the widest swath of people watching this. Well, sport but but it. but here's the problem they have, like any any sport, and that is the loss of stars. I mean, you've had the retirement of Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Tony Stewart, and even to some extent Danica Patrick, even though she mm. was of no real significance on the track from a marketing standpoint she was a very valuable source of attention for nascar so even nascar right now they've seen their ratings drop dramatically in recent years and today's daytona 500 to be honest with you doesn't have the same buzz that it's had over the last decade i mean there's a lot of questions about you know what is nascar's next move so this is always the question when we talk about these sports is not only how do you build an audience but then how do you hold an audience and the infusion of new stars is always a big part of it. Look at golf right now. I mean, here yep. we here we were basically writing off Tiger Woods a couple of years ago that he would never be back. At least the Tiger we knew. He will never be back. And so they're giving us the Jordan Spees of the world and the Justin Thomases and the Rory McElroys and all these young stars and everything else. And then the second that Tiger returned where he actually was recognizable again, it's like those guys just disappeared. They just right. they absolutely evaporated. And now it's all about Tiger Woods again. So that's that's what it always comes down to. The NBA had Michael Jordan. Golf had Tiger Woods. These are so rare. Those kind of crossover superstars that get the attention of people that aren't necessarily enamored with those sports. It's what every sport is looking for and very few sports ever find it. Well, and look, I, I, NASCAR is always going to remain in its kitschy space in the United States, as will NHL to a certain level, uh, as will the Alliance of American Football. There is a ceiling on certain sports leagues because if if your if your goal is to grab a certain market and own that space and control that space, and, and like like NHL does, and and like NASCAR does, or even this new spring football league will try and attempt to do during a part of the calendar year that really hasn't had a professional football own it domestically in a long time or, or realistically successfully ever I, I think you, you don't necessarily need the transcendent star, but what you absolutely need is a viable product. And so with hockey, you know, the reformation of the game, uh, trying to make the end of game situations especially more interesting with shootouts or for NASCAR, what is going to be their next big move? I don't know, but I will say this about the Alliance of American Football and any other sports league that comes in a distant third or fourth to the, the, the mega giants that are in this country like the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball. 
You have to find your gimmick. You have to find what people are going to show up and watch and look for in a week-in, week-out basis, year after year. And so... I, do you do you always need the big star? No, I, I disagree with that fullheartedly. You just need a viable product that fits a calendar space that people will time after time show up for and then throw on top of it, add a gambling aspect to your game where people can actually feel good about the money spent and wagered. Well, you got a product that can, can can sustain, and I think that's exactly what the Alliance and these other leagues are going to try to do to encourage more people to tune in on a night-in, night-out basis. By the way, predictably, that Harris Poll revelation has uh, crossed over into a, uh, a political argument, uh, even on social media. Uh, one tweet says, number two is baseball, number four is NASCAR. Yeah, that represents America. Bet they didn't survey a lot of minorities, that's for sure. Baseball and NASCAR of the NBA, that has white people pulled, written all over it. Sorry, nice try. Response to that was, uh, so you're saying race car driving doesn't count because the audience too white? Classic liberal response. You see what happens here? We get that back and forth on social media there. The bottom line is, is that, again, what the poll is asking isn't if you watch these sports, what is your favorite sport? And right, that, that, right. that, see, that's what you say. What is your favorite sport? I love the NBA, but I like, if you ask me my favorite sport, it's the NFL. Okay. Right. And right, what right, I, right. what I say with when it comes to baseball and let's say NASCAR or auto racing is, you know how those people are. That is even the NHL. I mean, hockey, I, when I know hockey fans and they swear like, it's not even close. Like Look, hockey is I, so much I better had, than any other sport. So I had that's uncle. why these numbers are skewed a little bit. I grew up in New York. Nobody watched NASCAR. I didn't know anybody to watch NASCAR, but there was one guy, my uncle, right? And so when you you think about when you think about certain regions of of this country, you're 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 left alone if you're interested. It was without question his favorite sport. He followed it probably the closest, but I can even say from him, a NASCAR fan, a guy who would probably list on the Harris Bowl if asked, that's his favorite sport. He watched more NFL football. I, I, every single Sunday is appointment viewing for most of America because NFL is king right now. NBA, Major League Baseball, they file in somewhere beneath there. But yeah, it, it, if you want to get political, by all means, it isn't political. It's it's more demographics. If you can reach a wider swath of people, and the widest swath are being uh, uh, viewed by, the, or I should say, our NFL viewers and NBA viewers and Major League Baseball viewers, that is going to be the key demographics that these leagues want to capture. So yeah, NASCAR will always fill its kitsch, but there are going to be other leagues that are more popular from a national standpoint because there there is just a wider swath of people interested. So yeah, I, I look, it doesn't come down to anything more political than money. It's who's watching what and for how long, and that's the only thing these leagues care about. All right. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. We touched upon it a little before the top of the hour about the Antonio Brown situation. And we're going to try to explain to you exactly why it is so much different for an Antonio Brown than it would be a similar star in the NBA. Coming up next. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? 
Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. From a hot air balloon landing on a car to a load of concrete falling on one, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Steve Harbin and Rich Ornberger. They actually uh, showing highlights of that uh, Rams-Kansas City game. The 54-51 game. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out what happened to that Rams offense on Super Bowl Sunday. How do you go from what I'm watching here to what we saw on Super Bowl Sunday? I, I'll put that aside. I'm just... Sort of thinking out loud right there. All right, I want to get to the Antonio Brown situation. So he says uh, that uh, his quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, has a owner's uh, mentality. Right, right. Um, and my answer to him is uh, he should. Let, let's trace back. Before anybody had ever heard of Antonio Brown, when he was drafted in the sixth round by the Pittsburgh Steelers, they had Santonio Holmes – who was coming off the greatest single reception in the history of the Super Bowl. They had Heinz Ward, who was also a Super Bowl MVP. Um, they had Mike Wallace. They, they had a lot of receivers, and they also had a quarterback that already had two Super Bowl championships on his resume in Ben Roethlisberger. So, Santonio Holmes leaves to the Jets, never to be heard from again. I mean, he just completely disappeared. Mike Wallace pretty much disappeared after he uh, left Pittsburgh. And suddenly we have Antonio Brown ascend to the level of, you know, best receiver in the league. Four straight all-pro years, seven all-pro bowls and everything else. And obviously, Rich, you played in this league. And, you know, sometimes we talk about overplayed athletes out there. The athleticism of receivers in the NFL really is second to none. The way they can contort and do all these kind of things. But their actual value to these teams is highly questionable. They're interchangeable. You think of Randy Moss. You know, he goes from the Vikings where he's a superstar, where he disappears with the Raiders because they don't have an effective quarterback. Then he shipped off to New England. He has one of the greatest seasons in the history of football. You, you used the operative word right there. The, the quarterback in Oakland was the reason why Randy Moss didn't have success. That's the thing that's really, really head-scratching to me about this whole story. Don't get me wrong. Antonio Brown, uh, he could do whatever he wants, and he should do whatever he wants. He's one of the most talented and and physically gifted players in the NFL. However, Antonio Brown would not be Antonio Brown without Ben Roethlisberger, and there's no other way to slice it. I I mean, you pair a quarterback with a star wide receiver, and typically you get fireworks. And the reason is because you need the match to the fuse, If you don't have a way to ignite the success, to put a ball on a player that talented as accurately as Ben Roethlisberger does, well, you're going to have a situation like many of the Jacksonville Jaguars receivers have had over the the span of time since Blake Bortles has been down there in Jacksonville. You're just not going to have the numbers that you would. Hopkins is a rare exception. 
what he's been able to do with the Houston Texans uh, through quarterback changes and challenges has been absurd. So I think he's a Hall of Famer and waiting. But Antonio Brown to complain about Ben Roethlisberger in the least bit, he should be writing him Christmas cards and having them ready to send out months early. Uh, I mean, think about all of the players, by the way. You mentioned a couple of receivers uh, and one running back, but all of the players that Big Ben has played with throughout his tenure as a Pittsburgh Steeler, I, I mean, fast Willie Parker, you remember him? How about Jerome Bettis before Willie Parker in the running back room? Hines War- Ward, you mentioned San Antonio, uh, Rashard Mel- Mendenhall. I, I mean, he has been through, it feels like an entire generation of NFL football players, and now he has Juju Smith-Schuster, he's got James Conner, he went through the Le'Veon Bell phase. I mean, the one common denominator is Ben Roethlisberger. Antonio Brown could say whatever he wants about his quarterback, and, and quite frankly, he could say that about whatever quarterback he plays with. But Antonio Brown needed Ben more than Ben needed him, and there is no doubt about that. Well, and it's been proven over and over and over again about receivers who move to a different team, a new quarterback, and suddenly are not the same receiver. Did their skills suddenly diminish? No. I mean, the quarterback has to be able to get the ball to where you can actually catch the ball. they got to put you in a position. You know, you you talk about – uh, even a Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, the greatest of all time, but he was on the receiving end of two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And the most important quarterback was his first quarterback, Joe Montana. Joe Montana, everyone's like, you know, well, Montana, you, you know, he needed Jerry Rice. He won two Super Bowls before Jerry Rice even showed up. Mm-hmm. He was winning with Freddie Solomon, who was a converted quarterback who became a wide receiver, and Dwight Clark, who was uh, well, a 10th round draft pick. And suddenly they became stars. So by the time Jerry Rice showed up in San Francisco, you've already got Joe Montana in his sixth year in the league, seventh year in the league. And the biggest thing about Joe Montana in that Bill Walsh offense was hitting Rice in stride. Those crossing patterns with John Taylor and hitting those guys perfectly in stride where they could take a 10-yard pass and make it a 30-yard game. So any receiver, even the greatest of all time, Jerry Rice, You've got to be having the right quarterback to get you the ball. Even Jerry Rice, when he went to the Raiders, walked into a team that already had who? Rich Cannon, who was suddenly becoming that kind of a quarterback, an elite quarterback in the National Football League. He ends up making an appearance in the Super Bowl. Alongside them, they lose to the Buccaneers to Gruden out there. But but you're absolutely right. It's, It's the quarterback that is the key and operative player in all of these situations. I have plenty to say about Ben Roethlisberger and how he's been as far as the the uh, commander in chief of this Pittsburgh Steelers offense. I, I mean, I, I don't think he's running the ship the way that uh, a, a player should from from an emotional standpoint at that position. It, they've won a lot of games. He's won some Super Bowls, sure, but this team emotionally could have been able to handle a lot more had Ben been a bit more of a stable guiding hand 
hand through this whole process. Hey, you could blame some of that on maybe Cower, on Tomlin, because their head coach is in all this as well. But but truthfully, your, your quarterback is your field general. And the fact that he hasn't been able to keep relationships with certain players, especially in this, uh, in this new crop of player that they've had in Pittsburgh, it says a lot about him as well. However, again, his talent supersedes those of the the talents around him. The 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 Mendenhalls and the Parkers and the Bettises, they'll come and go. Uh, the the Heinz Wards and the Juju Smith-Schusters even and Antonio Browns, they'll come and go. But until you have a Roethlisberger or a Brady or a Manning, you don't have much in the NFL. And so if Antonio Brown is going to divide the line and say, yeah, you know, there's an ownership mentality with Big Ben and yada yada I would say buyer beware on the other side of the trade because again your quarterback is the most important piece of your franchise you want to surround him with pieces that can play with him and be agreeable complimentary pieces to him by the way just for the record this past season in his 15th year in the league Big Ben had personal highs in completions attempts yards and touchdown passes yeah Personal highs in all four of those categories in 2018, and they fell short of the playoffs, barely. So, uh, yeah, I, I they, they just, again, the NFL is such a different sport. It's a team. It's about team, whether it's a, a passer, a quarterback receiver, or just the entire defensive unit. Um, it's all about team. Or in your case, Rich, that cohesive offensive line, and you were part of some of the most legendary lines that no one ever talked about or heard about. And never oh, yeah. will, and never will. But that's no, okay. No. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. We yeah. will be. Uh, we will. We, we know. <laughs> you know. That's the thing. We know. All right. All right. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. I don't want to diminish anything you did on the athletic field. I oh, envy every second that you played in the National Football League. Uh, let's Very find out what's uh, trending right now. As uh, Ralph Irvin has just been watching everything, everything out there. It is a cornucopia of sport today (laughs) because nothing is dominating attention. So you really. I keep looking around at all our TVs trying to figure out where do I actually want to look? You know. Yeah, so a a horn of plenty. Exactly. uh, Yeah, I'm actually watching the replay of the Rams Chiefs Monday night. (laughs) Well, there you go. Hell of a game, by the way. One game going on right now in the top 25. uh, Number nine, Houston, all over Tulane, 74 38, 754 to go in that game earlier. Number 11, Michigan State, a 62 44 win over Ohio State. Get this, guys. Ohio State only scored 13 points in the second half of that game. Michigan State just absolutely locked them down. Uh, Daytona 500 going on right now. They're through 24 laps. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is your leader. He's led seven laps. Kevin Harvick, Eric Almondrola. Excuse me. Yes, I can do that. My computer blanked out (laughs) right as I was reading the name. Uh, But those are your leaders right now. And, of course, they are continuing play at Riviera. Your leader, still Justin Thomas, 17-under through three holes. J.B. Holmes, two strokes back. He's playing alongside of him, so also through three. Adam Scott, four shots off the pace. Tiger Woods is about to make the turn. He is on the 18th hole. He started on number 10. He's tied for fifth, but seven shots back of the leaders. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay before 
you buy your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience tonight. It is the NBA All-Star Game. That'll tip off at 8 Eastern. Team LeBron versus Team Giannis in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we'll be back to Stephen Rich in 10 seconds. But first, a word from Farmers. From a dog accidentally flooding a living room to a dog taking a joyride, we've covered it. Talk to Farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now let's go back. Truck fire insurance, exchange and affiliates. Products not available in every state. <laughs> now we'll go back to now Steve Hartman and Rich Hornberger and say there's so many things going in so many different yeah. directions. Well, I, again, can you remind me again who's in third place right now at Daytona? Yeah, it's Eric Almarola. There it is. Yes. Sorry. Almarola. Yes. Like Sometimes it. the computer screens, you know, they just don't, they, they kind of flicker and you can't read a font that's a little small. I'll tell you what. Look, I, I love an Amarola. I, I like uh, the nougat center is my favorite thing about it, honestly. It's delicious. Yeah. Especially at Christmas time. <laughs> Can I, yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, Ralph, thanks so much. Uh, yep. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 50% or more on car insurance at Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. You know, every time we get to – ever say, is there, is there anything difficult about your job? I mean, is there anything difficult? And I, the only thing I can say is the only thing that is difficult about what we do in, in uh, sports talk or sports broadcasting is names. Sure. Names are such a big uh, thing for me. Last night on TV – I mispronounced a name that I knew how to pronounce the name, but I hadn't seen the name in a while. And so I said it the way it's spelled rather than the way it was announced. Now, I did this late at Who night. Who is LeBrian Jamis? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Who, me? All right. So this uh, it was it's a USC basketball player. Okay. You know, okay. First of all, people really don't even know there is a basketball team. Uh, at USC. I mean, okay, it, yes. you know, basketball at USC is one of those, you know, things that's so far off the radar, I can't overstate it, right? Okay. And so last night, I'm I'm doing a, a USC update on okay. their team. And they have a player who is, uh, his last name <laughs> is spelled... R A K O C E V I C. Oh, Rakovic. 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 So what I said was, I saw it and I said Rakovic. Okay, yeah. And people, there was one person. I This one person's like, really? Really? And then I'm like, I'm thinking, how do I do it? Rakosovic. Rakosovic. That's it. Rakosovic. Not Rakosovic. Rakosovic. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like, and, and, but you know what? Why I get upset about it is I hear people say, for instance, John Calipari. It's not Calipari. People think it's like Calamari. Yeah. It's not. It's Calipari. But then that's like Marcus. Mariota, not Marcus Mariota. See, people Steve, say, 
I'm going to give you a name that I have no trouble pronouncing. Okay. And, and, and mispronouncing? I'm so, okay, go ahead. Well, no, no. I have no trouble pronouncing, and honestly, I, I think it's it's uh, it's it's great that anybody gets to say it in right. any sort of meaningful way in these days is Tiger Woods. Yes. There, Like, look, there's no – that comes on the prompter. I don't expect you on a late Sunday night to have any trouble with that. And you I'm, may I'm actually, with that one, yeah. You may actually end up having to speak his name uh, as he's tied for fifth in the, at the Genesis. I will be definitely mentioning his name on TV many times tonight. Doing I'm, LA here, TV, yes. Here's the funny thing about golf and our relationship with golf. Mm-hmm. Tiger Woods, if he places right where he is right now making the turn. Is the story. Absolutely, it's a story. It's a smaller one, there's no question about it, but it is a story. If Tiger Wins wins the Genesis, very similar to when he played whatever it was, the Velspar and won last year, the the the, the golf world becomes the lead on Monday. And, and and that's an interesting place to be if you're golf. Imagine if your fortunes are so heavily tied to one single player that depending on what he does in a rainy, crummy tournament weekend. It, it, that that is that is the entire determination as to whether you get run come Monday morning. I, I look there. There are we talk about every sport. Right? We were just talking about Antonio Brown's relationship with Ben Roethlisberger. The NFL sustains on many different stars and allegiances to many different teams. The NBA they have a star problem. They have LeBron James, and they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and they have names that are becoming bigger than their game, Anthony Davis, and that, that, that provides them issues. But imagine being golf. The entire revenue of your sport is enveloped with the successes or failures of one single person, and that hasn't changed over two decades. Oh, I'll how even do you, take it. A, how, do you, how do you fix that problem? Well, you, you, you don't, and you just pray that he can continue to go as, as long as he can. How about a tournament, all right? So the, what they call now the Genesis Open, which yeah. obviously is a tournament that's been played in L.A. back to the 1920s, um, now is going to be under the umbrella of the Tiger Woods Foundation. And simply because of that fact... Starting next year, the status of the Genesis Open completely changes. Now, people don't know the integral parts. I want to get too in-depth. But obviously, a major golf championship, if you win one, has the most benefits to you. Then there's that Players' Championship, which is, you know, arguably, is it a fifth major? But it's not. But it's it, it gets you more benefits. And then there's two other PGA tournaments that you get more than just a normal win on the PGA Tour. That would be Arnold Palmer's tournament, mm-hmm. the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and the Memorial, which is Jack Nicklaus's event. Well, now that Tiger Woods is firmly attached to this event, starting next year, this tournament will elevate to the status of the Arnold Palmer Invitational and the Memorial. Now, what does that mean? First of all, the field is reduced. Reduced. From 144 down to 120 starting next year, but the purse goes from 7.4 million to 9.3 million. Fewer players, more money. And by the way, when you win a normal PGA tournament, two-year exemption, which for a lot of these guys is huge. But if you win this tournament starting next year, three years. So again, one guy, as you said, with Tiger Woods, had a power not only to change the sport, but just specifically this tournament. Yep suddenly completely changes 
under the umbrella of Tiger Woods. That is what's power. Cra- what's crazy is a power aside. I, I mean, this is this has a shelf life. I, I mean, it's great that they're enjoying a wave, and uh, Tiger Woods will profit greatly from all this. But Tiger Woods will go away eventually. He's going to have to go the way all golfers go. Uh, enjoy the Senior Tour at some point. Perhaps the back catches up with him, and he can't golf anymore at some point. I hope that's not the case. I love watching him golf, but that's a reality you face when you have an injured spine the way he does. When 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 this ends though, golf is going to go into a dark winter. And they never addressed it during the five year or so span where Tiger Woods fell out of relevance. And so we are we are at the precipice of one of the greatest changes in the game of golf after them enduring it two decades ago when when he came to the scene. I, I think that golf could go the way of horse racing if they don't figure this out, where it was one of you know the nation's greatest pastimes during a portion of you know even our grandparents' lives, but now it's really something that only pops up at, at times of the calendar year, the Derby, the the Preakness. I, I mean, majors will be the only time golf is relevant at all, if at all. And it, it, it'll it'll never be the same again if they don't address this. I, I can tell you about Jordan Spieth a little bit, Roy McIlroy a little bit, Jason Day some. But I, I don't know enough about these players for them to really – I mean, you're talking about challenges as a sports talk host. I'd be challenged to tell you more about the field around Tiger Woods uh, than, than just, yeah, you know, they've won some tournaments. I, I know everything about Tiger Woods, and that's a huge problem for golf. All right. Speaking of moving the needle, first of all, we're here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. As we get ready for the NBA's all-star game, their biggest stars all on the court, which one of these NBA superstars actually is must-watch? We're going to tell you coming up next. LeBron James. From a car landing on a roof to a car landing in a pool, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Steve Harbour, Rich Hornberger. Brought to you by Granger. Granger's got your back when it comes to safety and industrial supplies that help your facility run. Get what you need when you need it at Granger.com. Happy birthday, by the way, today to a guy named... Michael Jordan. That's right. Who's that? Michael Jeffrey (laughs) Jordan. Who? Born in Brooklyn, New York. Who is it? Is 56 years old today. Never heard of him. And even though... question. uh, Down in North Carolina, enjoying All-Star Week festivities. Mm -hmm, On his uh, home court. It's his team. Yeah, 56 years old, and he's still the most popular NBA player. I mean, when you think about the fact that this guy is 20 years removed, more than 20 years removed now from his last NBA championship. I'm not going to count those couple of years he came back with Washington when he was trying to get Mm. people to show up at the games. 1998, where they won their last NBA championship with Michael Jordan. Yet 20 years later, the Michael Jordan brand is as big as ever. Um, it's insane. It really is. But it begs the question, not if anyone could ever achieve that level, because I doubt anyone can. It was sort of a perfect storm situation for Michael Jordan. 
Obviously, you have to have the talent to win the championships, the whole dynamic of Air Jordan, you know, the crossover with Nike and everything else. But the great question is, how do we gauge today with the expansion of social media the true popularity of any athlete, but specifically the NBA, because the individual is such a focus in this league? So if I were to say, what would be the best way to figure out how popular players are. Would you say, well, how many followers do they have on, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram? Would you use that as a gauge? How many jerseys they sell? See, I think the least important dynamic is how many people are watching. Because we know now the viewing habits of America have completely changed. The whole world has changed as everything is about streaming now. When we watch things on our phone as opposed to sitting down in front of a TV. But well, how, how, how do you figure out who actually is the most popular must-watch player or players in the NBA? It just depends, quite frankly, on, on well, what rubric you're grading on. I, I mean, if you ask me right now, who is the most um, well-known football player in the world? I mean, you could make arguments for Tom Brady, and you can certainly talk about some of the other greats in the game, but... I would say Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick is probably the most well-known either former or current player in in the world right now because his name has created relevancy outside of the sport that he actually plays in. And so I don't know how useful that is for him from an advertising standpoint or anybody's for that matter, but that is exactly what you're talking about when you talk about Jordan. He is no longer just a man. He's an icon. He's a shoe. He's a lifestyle. And so it's difficult to really negotiate that conversation unless you're really sort of cornering it into what you're looking to gain or get out of that player. All right, well, let me ask you this then. As far as... Who would you rather watch? In other words, I'm sitting down to watch an NBA game and I'm watching LeBron James versus Steph Curry. Who is grabbing your eyeball? Who who is the guy that you are more anxious to see play? Is it Steph Curry or LeBron James? That's an easy one because LeBron James made Cavaliers games palatable. Uh, Steph, Steph Curry would not have. And that's that. There is no question about that. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, the Splash Brothers, Draymond Green, obviously helping them to their first championship. The addition of Kevin Durant. I mean, it really is a group effort. LeBron James transcended all of yeah, but, the names yeah, that he's know, ever been surrounded. I don't know by. if you're gathering what I'm asking you, though. Yeah. Would you rather watch LeBron's game or Steph Curry's game? Oh, LeBron's game, I find it more entertaining. Well, you do, but a lot of people don't. In other words, the idea of Steph Curry and his ability to shoot the basketball, like maybe no one that we've ever seen, certainly from long distance, is of far more relevance to a new audience than what you're talking about. I agree with you on the LeBron overall game. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. More on the NBA's big day coming up. Ah, uh, it's a uh, it's a especially huge Sunday for one Rich Ornberger. By the way, we're coming up live. Or coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 50 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. So um, this is our final hour today, Rich. Time is just flying by. Um, oh, yeah. So take us on your path from the end of this show to your broadcast of the first ever, the inaugural home game 
of the San Diego fleet. How's this going to play out? All right. So as soon as we wrap, I'm down here in San Diego. The plan is to grab a nice little light lunch, head over to SDCCU Stadium, uh, check in uh, with credentialed media access. Mm. I usually like to walk the field, check out the playing surface, and maybe get an idea of the temperature and the uh, and the grounds, if you will. By the way, when you uh, when you say usually, considering this is the inaugural game, you're you're translating this to like other, you know, you're also with the Aztecs in his head. Yeah. This is what he usually does. Okay, yeah, so, you know, yeah, do, do Steve, you venture I, do you venture into the tailgators? You know, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, do you, do you sort of walk amongst the people? Because I'm, I'm a sure man of the people, if, if they if you walk by, they say, "Come on over here, Rich. Have some of our, you know, that kind of thing." I've been known to break off a spare rib and have a little uh, conversation on my way Mm, to the gate. There's no question about it. And trust me, give me a little scoop of that potato salad. That looks good. Yeah, Yeah. a little potato salad. And and do I like uh, do I like a a, a more formidable tailgate? Yeah, Mm, sure. I mean, I'm not just going to go to a guy who's just got one of those you know (laughs) tinfoil racks off the back of the pickup. Yes, I I I really do like the ones that are set up. They're tented in. Um, But but yeah, no, I'm a man of the people. I'll, I'll schmooze. I'll small talk and then right. yeah no I mean I'm talking about typical games that I've I've done color commentating for that's usually the ropes do that they I'll have climb. to have more than a hibachi a little more than that or oh that's a good question you know what I, I more than a hibachi is tough so no I I would say I'd be just fine but the higher <laughs> off the ground the better because right. there are there are some <laughs> grill setups where it's just like I mean I you know are you cooking off of the parking lot itself that's mm. a little alarming yeah yeah I know one thing. If I saw Alex there whipping up one of his famous uh, guacamoles, oh, man. No, that changes things. That, that changes is a game everything. changer. By the way, no guac today. I see that, Alex. You I, know, uh, I actually had a long night yesterday, Steve, yeah. so I had all the ingredients in the fridge, just never got around to do it. Yeah, and with wow. Gascon not here, we could have actually we could, oh, tried some of it today. I blew it, man. I yeah, blew it. Yeah, because tell you Gascon, what, Gascon Gascon's like a Bissell vacuum cleaner. That guy. I mean, when it comes to guacamole, I don't. I mean, there. I mean, he was. I'll put it this way: after he, you know, finished off the last scrape of the avocado, he was spinning it on his head. The bowl. No, I mean that was. It was unbelievable. You know what the best part was, too, is after he ate the whole thing uh, last weekend, he said, yeah, this wasn't that great. I know. It wasn't it was... as good as your last one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Freaking guy. <laughs> like, he waited until the right. – like, we call him now David the Rubber Spatula Gascon because of how <laughs> clean he got that ball. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, his parting words were, you could do better. <laughs> you, you could do, do better, better. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, we got the NBA All-Star game today, and I'm sort of you know looking at some of the social media feedback, and the overwhelming response on the NBA All-Star game is that it has no relevance. But then some people took it even a step further, and they were saying that the NBA Finals have little relevance because there really isn't much to anticipate. Now, we did get the big upset a couple of years ago when the 73-win Golden State uh, Warrior team lost to Cleveland. But remember, they didn't have Kevin Durant yet. Now that right. Durant's been there, I mean, this is – even if Milwaukee even – if, even, if even if the Bucks end up with the best record and get home court advantage in a potential matchup with the Warriors in the NBA Finals, nobody is thinking that's going to matter in the determination – of the actual outcome of the NBA Finals. Perception is always reality. A year ago at this time, or even less than that, the NBA was tinkering with the ideas, multiple ideas, on how to recreate the NBA Finals. Do you remember this? 
We were talking yeah. about this. Like, they even had the idea that they would, you know, right now you have the top eight teams in each conference. But they were even talking about bringing in, like, two more teams and then having sort of this round-robin playoff consisting of a couple of games to determine the seven and eight seeds. Like, the nine and ten seeds would suddenly be back in the mix, which, by the way, would be interesting this year considering the Lakers are sitting at the ten seed uh, and could somehow play their way in. So when I start hearing stuff like this, it always tells me they're panicking. You know, mm-hmm. the bottom line for the NBA is you got way too many playoff rounds. Yes. When, you, when you have 30 teams in your league and 16 of them are in the playoffs, that is way too many teams. I mean, you know, I realize it's such a worn out thought process now because we hear about it all the time, the participation trophy uh, generation and all that stuff. I, I don't necessarily buy it, but at the professional sports level, I do. If you're going to take something like the postseason, which is so, so hard to achieve in other sports league and taint it the way the NBA has. I mean, the NFL, to be even a wild card contender, it means something. It really does. It's very difficult. It pretty much guarantees that you're a 10-win team. It pretty much guarantees that, that you beat out some pretty stiff competition in your conference. To dilute your playoffs, to dilute your postseason to the point that the NBA has and even consider diluting it further is ridiculous. It's completely absurd. In the NFL, you have to be so far beyond just a uh, 500 t- uh, team to, to to even break the wild card in most cases. I, I realize there are some aberrations where a division leader can sneak in at 7-9. At and nine. I, Those things will happen. But uh, you, like the fact that you really have this threshold of, of being close to either – uh, a, a 650 or, or a 75% winner to make it into the NFL postseason makes it special. In the NBA, you look at a 35-win team and you go, hey, they got a chance. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. I I hate the way the NBA looks at their league. They think, let's cheapen the postseason so we can grab some cheap eyes on our game later in the season it's not a sustainable answer to the question that they have and that they're faced with. Well, I agree. And then the fact that they expanded the playoffs, even in the first round of best four out of seven, I mean, we're talking about playoffs that extend from mid-April to mid-June. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just way, way, way too much. And I don't know what the answer to it is. They always talking about it's, it, you know, increasing revenue streams, but when you take away, and again, I, I speak from, you know, a guy that's been around a lot longer than most of our listeners out there, and how most special- Most of the population. Right. Well, I'm a vampire as well. So anyway, <laughs> but I mean, the bottom line is, I think back to how special the playoffs were, and certainly how special all-star games were. I mean, I, I in all the sports, even the Pro Bowl back in the day, it was- it was must watch, and the idea of must watch meant it was that one opportunity, the one chance you had to see all the greatest stars all together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like whoa! I mean, there they are. They're they're all together. I mean, they're. I mean, and this would extend for many years. And now, for some, I don't know 
how it got to the point where it's just a big yawn when we have, I mean, I mean, today's game, we have, we have a new generation of stars. One thing about basketball, just like every other sport, you always think, hey, wait, are we ever going to have new stars? Of course you're going to have new stars. You know, the Giannis Antetokounmpo story is an unbelievable story. It really is. I mean, just plucked from obscurity, from Greece, to become this iconic, you know, emerging superstar in this league. And and we got new stars are going to be on the scene, not necessarily playing the All-Star game. You know, Doncic is, is just one of these kids that we can't wait to see what this guy is yeah, going to be doing gonna, in the future. Yeah. That's, um, a real, that's a real thing. But despite all this star power... And, and all the people that are involved with social media, I mean, you know, millions and millions of followers of these players. And then you look at social media and we get to this showcase game and the overwhelming majority of people are like, oh, what a yawn. I won't be watching. I'm yeah, like, look, why not? Everybody knew this experience growing up. You, you have the, uh, you know, it's made from sugar, lemonade, or iced tea, or Kool-Aid in the fridge, right? And you start getting down to half the container left. Well, it's it's time to start thinking about replacing it with some more. And so you go into the cupboard and you try to find your, your country time lemonade mix or your Kool-Aid and you realize, oh man, we're out. Well, so what do you start doing? Maybe just to extend it a little bit more, you add a little cold water and you pop it back in the fridge. This way, it's not the same, but it's similar. Well, if you do that one or two or three or four more times, eventually you're going to lose the original essence, the original flavor of what you started with. This isn't going to be lemonade or Kool-Aid or iced tea. It's going to be water that's tainted with the flavor of something that was. The NBA is doing this with their playoff system. I know it's a controversial idea, but reel this thing in. Let's cut. I mean, lop it in half, maybe. I, I, I mean, it sounds absurd to think that less basketball available for people to watch is better for the game, but I'm telling you right now, you are diluting the sample to the point where people don't even know what they're tasting anymore. It's not real hoops. It used to be, and it used to actually be a pretty profitable situation for the owners, beneficial to the fan base. Now, I mean, until what, June? It, does it really matter? Look, Steve, you got it right with this, and I've been saying it for a long time. I, I I hate to be the guy who says I want to give the general public less sports to make it more entertaining or or to make it more impactful and more important. But the truth is, if you did that, you'd create a demand out of a lack of supply. There's a reason why March Madness works. There's a reason why we all look forward to March Madness. Imagine if they suddenly decided to March Madness, you know, it's not really fair to have one and done. You know, <laughs> if, if, like when we get to the final, maybe it should be two out of three. No, 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 no. One and done is why March Madness, despite the fact that the vast majority of players we're going to see in March Madness, you'll never, ever hear their names ever uttered in the NBA. Ever. Yep. Yep. But yep. why it still becomes must-watch. Less is more. Yeah, I, More I, I, is a, a, a path to uh, general disinterest. All right. It, yeah. we're, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. There's one idea I have. One idea I have that I really think would create a must-watch situation 
in association with the NBA All-Star Game. We'll see if you agree coming up next. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. From a hot air balloon landing on a car to a load of concrete falling on one, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Steve Hartman and Rich Armberger. Now, from its beginnings, the NBA All-Star Game was the Western Conference versus the Eastern Conference. But that changed last year when it became Team LeBron versus Team Steph. And now this year, it's Team LeBron versus Team Giannis only amplifying the fact that it's all about the individual rather than the team. I mean, this is another play by Commissioner Silver to cozy up to the players. That's a dangerous play to go. It's made, but here, let me give you something that that I, I think that would be a, a must-watch situation. Bigger than the slam dunk competition. Bigger than any else that you could put up there. So this year, with the drafting of the players by LeBron and Giannis, they had the two of them on a split screen, and they had a list of the players, and you know they were you know picking their guys and getting their reaction. But you're not going far enough. No, no, no. What you need to do is like we do uh, on the school ground, right? In other words, all the players are lined up <laughs> and visible. They're all there from Durant all the way down. And then you have Giannis and LeBron standing there. And just like we do in pickup games, you choose I'll take him, I'll take him. And then you got those tight shots of the reaction of the players. Like the idea like you took him over me. Oh, you telling me you wouldn't watch that I would I would I would watch the first one and then I promise you I'd walk away no, with the same feeling everybody else would walk away with that it was contrived there is no way first of all if you could even align these power brokers that are the NBA stars now uh, if you could even get this lined up where they're all together in the room and allowing themselves to be picked whoa, first whoa, through whoa, last. Whoa. I, here, I'm going to even take it a step further. All right, so you say contrived. How about this? Okay, yeah. All right, Let me so this I, I'm, I'm going to take it even a step further, all right? <laughs> I, I'm, so tr- I'm trying to get – I create must-watch TV. I wish they would yeah. listen to me because their ratings are in the tank, and I'll, I'll help you here. All right, so the NBA All-Star voting is complete – Now, remember, the starting lineups used to just simply be the fans' vote, but it's not that way anymore. It's a combination of the fans' vote, a media vote, and the players' vote. And that's how they determine the starting lineups. And then the uh, the league then selects seven reserve players from the rest of the pack. So you have a 12-team league. And by the way, I applaud the NBA this year in adding Dirk Nowitzki 
and Dwayne Wade. When when you have, you know, iconic players, guys that have won NBA Finals MVP, MVP, you know, all this kind of stuff. Those are iconic players. Find a spot on the floor for them and what there is their last year. I like that idea. All right. So instead of, let's say, you know how they do it. They announce, all right, here's the new starters. And then like a week later, here are the reserves. Forget all that. Here's what you do. <laughs> so you have all that you're going to announce is the top vote getters. Okay. So we now know the two top vote getters were LeBron and Giannis. That's all that's been made public. So as they are standing there, ready to choose their teams, they don't even know who's walking in that room. And so okay. then you start walking in the players that have been selected first as the starters. So you got to pick your starters. And then here come the reserves. So there's no pre-planning. In other words, it's like, oh, just like it would be at a pickup game. You know, you might know one or two guys, but you don't know who is actually going to be there. And then it's all about the reaction. It's yeah. all about that zooming in on the face when LeBron or Giannis chooses one guy over another guy. Here's my problem with all of this, and I've waited long enough because this is as ridiculous as I thought it was going to be, Steve. I could take it even a step further. I I don't even want to know where the step further goes because we've already gone a bridge too far. Here's the thing. Look, sports don't need a lot of help as far as reality television goes. It's already the ultimate in reality television. Reality television is trying to manufacture drama that sports captures on its own. I mean, look, reality television needs scripts because for the most part, uh, you know, the Kardashians aren't nearly as entertaining as you may think. Uh, they're they're developing ways to create drama. They're trying to find uh, characters to bring in and stir things up. The NBA is littered with good characters. The NBA is littered with plenty of drama already. If you concentrate this much, this hard on the All Star Game, you are missing the point. All right, but again, 1993 NBA All Star Game, 22.914 million people watched. Last year, 7.654 million. That is one third the audience. Why why are we why do we have such a hard time letting things go? I mean letting things go. I'm trying to make them better. I look, I some things shouldn't be made better. I I that's kind of my point with all-star games from the jump. I think they're I think they are a anachronism. I I don't think they belong in our culture any longer. All-star games used to serve a very important purpose. When there wasn't as much national television uh, or as many national television events or as many outlets as there are currently, you couldn't really see the stars from your league playing your market or I should say the stars that you want to see in your market as often as they're played elsewhere. So the All-Star game actually had some impact. And I think because it had some impact from the standpoint of growing the star power of the players in the league and also the the the, the relevance and the opportunity for these players to showcase themselves in front of a much larger audience than they would on an evening in and out basis, I, I, I think that was its heyday. That time has passed. Look, the reason why people don't play Nintendo except for nostalgia purposes now is because there are better gaming systems. There is is no need, quite frankly, for the All-Star game outside of nostalgia. 
It's just, it is a product of a bygone era. If you gave this its due, it would be float out to sea and never to be heard from again. The All-Star Game is a dinosaur. It's a relic. It's a fossil. And it should go the way, it should go the way the dinosaurs went. It should be an extinction. If you want to give them a week off somewhere at midpoint of the season and you want to throw some sort of event down in Charlotte or whatever city is going to host an NBA event, by all means. And put some of it on television. Great. But you don't need to play the game anymore. It's not important. It's it's a it's a piece of the past that we no longer need. What do you well, how do you feel about all the uh, performers? I mean, let's face it, the only thing we remember about last year's NBA All-Star game was Fergie. Right, yeah. I mean the that, national anthem. That, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. is still the biggest thing. By the way, Charlotte <laughs> native Anthony Hamilton will sing the anthem at this one. But we had Jay Cole out there, all these performers out there. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, Meek Mill, Carly Rae Jepsen. Okay. Carly okay. Rae Jepsen, she's going to be singing the Canadian anthem. Right on. So, right on. Yeah. Very into that. Yeah. Do you Look, do you I, feel uncomfortable like I do when they when they do the player introductions? I mean, the introductions for tonight. You know how this is. Like you got the the spotlight and everything else, and then they come out one at a time. And and I keep <laughs> flashing back to like. I mean, I'm not even going back to the Stone Age. I'm just going back to like you know. Bird Magic Michael, like this whole idea. Can you imagine, like you know, them being walked down by you know, girls and and or you know some kind of music celebrity as they take the court? All part of the uh, pregame buildup. Is is that drawing eyeballs? Is is anybody who's actually watching the game watching to see that? Again, it's a lot of perp- pop and circumstance. Why is around, it necessary? Uh, look, if you had instead, you know, just. Uh, 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 a game? Uh, I, I, I mean, not even, not yeah, maybe a game. Honestly, a marquee matchup. I mean, mid midseason game where only one or two, or should I should say, one or two games are played. So say two or four teams in the league actually play, and it's 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 sort of put on the same way as the All Star Weekend. At least the games are somewhat relevant. You might draw more interest actually to those games. Say if you had it be. You know, the Warriors and the Lakers, and you had to be an Eastern Conference showdown. Uh, You couldn't really have known exactly who was going to be great out of the East, but say it was even the Sixers and Boston. I uh, look, it's it's just one of those things where the game is so meaningless. The, The pomp and circumstance around the game has taken so much bigger of a stage that why not just lean into that and make this a regular season week for four teams and have the rest of the NBA on break? It, it, they do this in football. They call it the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, two unlucky teams have to play. Uh, you know, the week of the enshrinement leading up to the dawn of the preseason each year, and then the rest of the thirty teams are on break. Do that the same way with the NBA All Star Week, and you have your, you have your your ratings problem solved because at least it's a game that matters. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. I hate your idea, but that's okay. You know, I mean, you try <laughs> I to dismiss. I have, I have it's like a really good idea, and then you come up t- with that. I mean, I just, are you kidding me? All right. I mean, it's like uh, the, you know, the cast of The Hills from MTV <laughs> will come out. Right. First be- of all, I have to tell everybody, Rich, anything that says All-Star, Hall of Fame, he dismisses. To oh, him, yeah. that is just garbage. That is just a waste of time it, across the board. It's, it's right. pageantry. It's right. silly. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're in the 
Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Let's find out what's trending right now. Is one Ralph Irvin is trying to make sense of everything we're talking about right now, Ralphie? Well, what your first step is when you're talking about All Star games, don't talk to the football guy because that's obviously the worst All Star game. It is. It is. Oh yeah, the Pro Bowl is so, so, god awful. So, so therefore, your, the opinion's already going to be skewed coming off of that. Well, and the fact that Rich was bypassed for the Pro Bowl for years—that <laughs> right. must be it. Is another that must reason. Be- <laughs> I mean, you know, being the first alternate every single year. Just right. Well, out. always the bridesmaid, always left holding the bouquet. <laughs> Waiting for that ticket to Hawaii that just never seemed to come. Well, now it's Orlando, which... I uh, know that, but when you were playing, it was Hawaii. That's true. It is true. That would have been a nice trip. Yeah, It might go back there, by the way. Mm. Mm. Well, we go to the college basketball scoreboard. Nobody that is ranked playing right now, but a couple finals in. Number 9, Houston goes to 25-1. They beat Tulane 85-50. Number 11, Michigan State held Ohio State to just 13 second-half points. The Spartans win 62-44. to Coming up at the top of the hour, number 13, Villanova, will take on St. John's. The Alliance of American Football, it is on the field right now. And that's as San Antonio has a 6-0 lead over Orlando inside of two minutes to play in the first quarter. You might be aware that coming up later, Atlanta will be playing at San Diego. At the Daytona 500, they're 91 laps in, and Matt D. Benedetto is your leader. He's led 33 laps. Kyle Busch right behind, who has led 28 laps in this race. Again, 91 laps completed out of 200 in Daytona. And online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We have a tie at Riviera. Justin Thomas has come back to the field. J.B. Holmes met him halfway. Both tied at 15 under par through six holes. Adam Scott one shot back at 14 under. Tiger Woods tied for 12th. He is at eight under par, seven shots off the lead through 11 holes of his final round. We'll be back to Stephen Rich in 10 seconds, but first, a word from farmers. From a dog accidentally flooding a living room to a dog taking a joyride, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Now let's get back to Steve Hartman and Rich Ormberger. All right. Thank you very much, Ralph. We are coming live from the Fox, uh, Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 50% or more on your car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Yeah, doing TV tonight, every time, every time I, it doesn't matter who wins this golf tournament today, the lead will be Tiger. I mean, of it, course. It, everything will be a Tiger Woods, a Tiger, Tiger in town. Uh, and right now, he is uh, nowhere near the lead. He's seven shots out. Uh, so, Tiger will not be winning this tournament. So, by the way, it's great how they're trying to jam this tournament in. Remember, they had a complete day washed out on Thursday. Right. So, they've been trying to jam four rounds into three days. And right now, we got a tie with Justin Thomas and J.B. Holmes and Adam Scott's one shot out. So, they could actually go overtime. Uh, and that could get very complicated, considering right now they're only through six holes, and they got to hope that no rain falls. And actually, there could be a little precipitation 
a little bit later on. Is it still dry in San Diego? Do we know yet? I mean, I uh, haven't been outside in a while. I'm still in my bunker studio here. But as far as the weather reports are, it is holding up. So uh, hopefully that remains the case. Well, I, I, want, I mentioned that because this is the biggest day uh, in San Diego, at least, uh, in a long, long time. And that is yeah. the uh, home debut of the San Diego fleet. Now, full disclosure... Rich and I work at the home of the San Diego fleet in San Diego, Extra 1360 Fox Sports San Diego. So we spent much of the week hyping up uh, the fleet, and we were giving away tickets, and lines were jammed. I mean, oh, people, yeah. I mean, you know, we get, hey, we got a boom, you know, four pack of tickets. So, you know, I, again, we're not going to judge the security, the future of the league based on a couple of weeks. But I think San Diego is one of those markets, much as San Antonio was, where you were a week ago, and they had the biggest crowd yet. Uh, you know, right. not only a big crowd of twenty-seven thousand, but a, a a really boisterous crowd. Um, and and you need a couple of those. Yes. Like I said, it, you don't have to have big crowds everywhere, but you do need to have at least two or three of your franchises bringing in crowds i mean you could you could talk about major league soccer is one of those you know they right. have some cities where they get like forty thousand. they have other oh, cities oh, that Portland, don't draw flies seattle cincinnati right. oddly in their uh in the, the yeah there there are varying there are varying cities that really get behind certain right niche usually sports. these these new leagues that they survive based on not the strength of one through eight or one through ten or however many teams they have in their league they just need a few. They need a couple, two right. or three of their well, franchises that really connect. And I think that the AAF is hoping, desperately hoping, that San Diego is going to be one of those cornerstone cities for the league. Well, if you are on your way to or from watching this Apollos Commanders game, you are aware that the Apollos are from Orlando. And like you mentioned, the Commanders are San Antonio hosting their second straight home game here. And the thought process is uh, you're, you're tuning in to see it for the first time if you missed it last weekend or check it out again and make sure that it wasn't just the allure of tuning in for something new, a novelty that hasn't been available in the spring for a long time professional football. But when you think about the markets that th these games are going to be played in and the fact that they are going to get national exposure, CBS Sports has a rights deal with the AAF. Uh, NFL Network is going to cover many of the games. As a matter of fact, the San Diego Fleet, the team we were just discussing, all of their games are going to be nationally televised this season. It gives an opportunity for people to get to know the players, to get to know this league. But Orlando, San Antonio, uh, Arizona, Memphis, Salt Lake, Lake City, Birmingham, San Diego, Atlanta. Of all those teams, or I should say cities that these teams have happened in, I'd say San Antonio and San Diego stand the best chance from a standpoint of weekly attendance figures being higher than the other cities. And the reason for that is San Antonio for years has been begging the NFL to expand to their city or to relocate in some form. San Antonio has been used as a leverage point for certain teams over the years. The Rams, you know, are an example of that. So 
San Antonio, I think, stands a chance to continue to bolster better attendance in the rest of the league. But San Diego, it's so interesting the fact that we are talking about professional football back in San San Diego, and we're not talking about the Chargers. Because I think if you ask any Charger fans, it would have been of a lot of interest getting them back in some way, shape, or form. But to have professional football back, I I think these attendance figures in that market especially – could be high, but you're right. Across the league, we'll see what happens. These are cheaper tickets. There's more of an opportunity for fans to say, you know what, I'll wait for a better weather day, even if they've committed the money to be there. But I don't think that's going to be really what floats this league or not. It's going to be about people tuning in for these national broadcasts, whether or not it's going to be a sustainable thing. And I think there's interest in professional football in the spring. I just really do. Well, if it's marketed properly, and I do think a lot of the ideas they have are very good. By the way, in the midst of, we just lost power in here. Oh, no. The takes were that hot, guys. Well, I mean, all the TVs went dark in the studio here. See, Rich is actually in uh, in San Diego. I'm here. We've lost all of our TVs in here. The Fox Sports Radio sign on the wall fell down yesterday. And then, you know, the lights were flickering. <laughs> I don't I, I, I'm trying to figure out what exactly <laughs> happened as you were in the immersed in that diatribe there about you know the uh, the future success well, Gavin what do you make of it we have no TVs they're all they all went dark in here what yeah happened? no I just think you guys gotta bring it down a notch uh, <laughs> bring it the, down the, we're the, just the, getting started the takes are too hot and you're burning yes. out our generators so <laughs> sorry yeah I mean yeah. look uh, they can't handle it I mean <laughs> fire up old reliable I do think it's a sign we need to go to break though yeah okay. um, by right. the way people are questioning me trying to apply what happened in the 1993 NBA All-Star to the 2019 All-Star Game. The fact that I can even refer to the 1993 All-Star Game should be enough. That's all I can say. I'm just trying to make things better. <laughs> That's all. I'm trying to get eyeballs. What can Some, you do? Sometimes it's addition by subtra- uh, subtraction, Steve. Less is sometimes. more. Less is more, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah including the All-Star <laughs> Game. Get rid of it all together. Wow. Do you think anybody would miss it? No. Well, no, maybe they you, would, and then you, they would beg no. to bring it back. Well, maybe then, but I'm telling you, you have regular season basketball games that matter during that week. You're going to have probably better ratings for the game because at least those target markets of the teams playing in the darn thing will be tuning in in earnest. Outside of that, nobody cares about the All-Star game. They they, they, they want to see if, uh, if Fergie uh, flubs this one. <laughs> that was so bad. Talk about the goat. Remember she started screaming like a goat? Oof, that was a really... All right, we're in the uh, Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Uh, We'll continue to weigh the options on what you should be watching this evening. Coming up next. From a car landing on a roof to a car landing in a pool, we've covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Steve Hartman and Rich Orenberger. All right, we want to uh, thank everybody for coming by today that have helped us out on the show. The man on the board is Alex. And even if he's snacking on something that is... Now, now how how long have you been uh, vegan? I've been on plant-based for two years now, Steve. Two years? Yes. Rich, do you think you could survive solely on plant-based? 
No, no, like, uh, no, that would not work. And and not that I don't think I couldn't survive. I certainly think I'd be vital enough to yeah, <laughs> sort of check the boxes. Yes. But there would be, there would be, you know, the excitement that that exists in the twinkle in my eyes would be would be gone. Yeah, would, the, <laughs> really. Yeah. The uh, have you ever I, seen the Orn Burger? De- oh, describe wow, yeah. the Orm Burger to uh, Alex. This is yeah, there's actually a, there's a place in San Diego that there's produces a burger named after me. Yeah, and yeah, and give uh, give him the lowdown of the Orn Burger. Okay, we'll start with the brioche bun, Alex, and then from there we're going to build our way towards success. It's going to be a half-pound beef patty, American cheese, grilled onions, lettuce, tomato. Here's the kicker, the jalapeno ranch dressing, and throw on top of it some bacon and fried avocado. You got yourself a winning combination. You really do. And uh, I actually and sampled pri- this burger. Uh, I mean, yeah, the decadence yeah. of this burger is ridiculous. The I'm fried avocado. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh-huh. So you know, does occasionally, the, uh, is the bun all uh, frosty too on the top? Like it has the silver fox look to it, or? Well, I mean, <laughs> wow. I, I, I didn't build a burger in my likeness. Oh, that would okay. be gross. <laughs> I'm not gonna sit there and eat a burger that looks like me. But I mean, it, it makes you know what? Honestly, after you eat the burger, you feel like me. That's that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted full, to know what it is happy. to feel like Rich Ornberger, eat one of the Orn burgers. Very very oh, good. Oh yeah. All right, well, Alex, you're probably taking a much smarter route as far as your longevity is concerned. I'm just saying, I'm trying to get to 160, Steve. Uh, wow, that's incredible. How tall are you? I'm six foot. Six foot, 160. 165, yeah. Yeah, that is, that's getting there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's, that's You are basically half, half the man I used to be. <laughs> when, when, I, when is when the I last play? time you saw 160 on the scale? What age? Third grade? Third grade. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, 160. Yeah, well, there it is. Wait, third grade? Come on. I don't, no. I, I don't know. That's Rich not, is that's a big fun. guy. He's a big I will say this, though. I, I would guarantee 160. I passed that threshold and never looked back around sixth grade. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would almost guarantee that. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, good luck on your quest of 160. Uh, I want to thank Maya and Connor, our interns, that come in here and just work tirelessly and, more importantly, learn everything from the masters, the masters that they're surrounded by. <laughs> Ralph, of course, two days in a row with Ralph Irvin has been unbelievable with Ralph and yeah. I. Uh, it's really which good. is always great to have my man Ralph. And then, of course, there's another guy I've been staring at for two days, and that would be Gavin. <laughs> Gavin as well. Not plant-based. Not plant-based. <laughs> no. Not Gavin enough. is another not plant-based guy. How about you, you Gavin? When's the last right time you saw one sixty? Oh, that would have been yeah. maybe early high school. Early high school. Yeah. Real early yeah. high school. <laughs> Early high school is known as junior high school there or you you know, middle school. So that, <laughs> yeah. That's what we call really early high school. Early life. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, not not very long time ago. 160, I mean, Steve, what do you weigh? Uh, I weigh probably about 182 is about what okay. I weigh. And I I'm, not a, you- I'm not a big guy either, So, but I, I weigh I- about 182. I picture you being a 182 pound, whatever, however tall you are, about five eleven, yeah, fifth grader, yeah, like, like <laughs> no, you sit. Yeah, like when you I was a nice girl, I, and then you're like, this look will work for the <laughs> remainder yeah. of my life. My first driver's license, 16 years yeah. old, five ten, one thirty five. <laughs> I was oh, wow. skinny. Yeah, I think I only weighed about 145 when I graduated high school, and I played football. 
Sorry. Well, that did not. That could not <laughs> have gone well. It didn't Holy go mackerel. well. I told it's you, about, I was a tackling dummy for the B football team. It's broke. <laughs> is what I essentially was, and it was hard to tackle because you know I, I didn't offer much of a target. Uh, so. Back then, with the leather helmets and all. You know. All right. So when it's all said and done, okay, which which event is going to get bigger rating because they're going head to head, and that is the San Diego Fleet. Atlanta Legends game versus the NBA All-Star game. So how do you think that will stack up? Look, I I mean, you know where to find it. It's been there for a long time. I think the All-Star game will uh will obviously beat it. Um for 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 all those reasons and plus I mean, NFL Network, it's just not seen in as many houses as where the All-Star game can be found. So I, 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 I do think that the All-Star game will beat it, but I think, I think AAF will continue to put up numbers that raise enough eyebrows that this is going to be a sustainable product. All right, so again, if you want to choose football, go to the NFL Network, unless you're actually going to the game, and we know thousands and thousands will do that, as opposed to the NBA All-Star game. All right. I'm just going to see if the Alliance of American Football will put a dent in the NBA All-Star ratings. Rich, have a great time at the game. Thank you. Text me. I want to hear what it's all about. It's going to be a good one. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct, but most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.